have prayers. I have a special message to read, as always. The ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at the meeting. Please be advised that any person responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device might be removed from the meeting. Please be aware that cell phones that are set on vibrate cause microphone interference, and so we respectfully request that they be placed in the opposition. Thank you. And that includes iPhones, which should be placed in airplane position, even though clearly that's not where we are. All right. So uh, first item, call to order and roll call. Commissioner Gillespie. Here. President Gillespie. Vice President Breslin. <laughs> Present. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Neto. Present. Commissioner Pack and Commissioner Slaughter are excused. Commissioner Subal. Here. We have a quorum. And um, I believe yeah, the chair uh, to Director Thigpen, I want to move, uh, because we have some people here from the public uh, and some guests, I want to move uh, item three to our next, uh, put it in front of the staff report so you can call item three. Great. Item three, consideration of amendments to rules 4C1, 5K1, and 6A11, eliminating prepayments, deposits, and converting the industry to daily shifts i.e. gas and gates only. This is an information and possible action item. And I'll just make um, a brief statement about it before um, turning to Commissioner Arnetto, and then I will um, conduct a presentation, a brief overview of uh, employment regulation as it pertains to taxi cab drivers in San Francisco. And we do have a special guest here this evening that will assist me with that presentation. It's Ann Hipschman from the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement of the Department of Industrial Relations in the state of California. And yes, that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, okay, so a uh, brief statement is just that, um, you know, there were some questions, and I addressed this a little bit in my staff report, but there were some questions about, uh, you know, resolutions being put on the Internet and, you know, whether I am proposing those items or whether they um, are, you know, who's, who's doing it and how are they being done and how are they coming forward. As I won't go through the, the details of what I had put into my staff report. It's there in the agenda for all to read. But essentially, there's a, a formatting that has been used in the past with various resolutions. And it's caused some confusion. So we're going to modify it so that it's clear who's proposing certain resolutions. And um, as far as the resolutions are also concerned, and any rule changes, require a 10-day noticing period. So. Things have to go on the Internet at least and be noticed to the public at least 10 days before the commission would consider taking action on them. So that explains why something went onto the Internet before going to rules committee. And so that has caused a little bit of confusion. And hopefully my statements here will alleviate any need to address that confusion uh, during public comment so that we can really have a substantive discussion. Commissioner Onetto. Um, well, you've covered all, most of the topics, so... Um the, the, this issue came to fruition because of our last commission meeting that there was a lot of concern about the prepayments. Um, as as uh, Director Thigpen alluded to, we had to get this in the works soon enough before the 10 days so that we, if the commissioners wished to move on this item, it would be possible for them to do that. You needed more than the 72-hour um, notice. Be, this resolution 
is much broader, really, than I, I, I uh, well, I wanted it this way, but it was because it was so far in advance of what was going on between the Board of Supervisors and, and what was going on here, and, and from what I would, the reports we were getting, the terms of the lease were changing. So the items on this resolution are broader than we, I really wanted, but it needed to be done that way so that if there was another form that came out, we would be able to act on it because we were up against the deadline that this was supposed to go into place by this Friday, the 15th. So that's how this all came about in this form. Excuse me, I do have to ask a question. I've been out of town for a week. What has to be in place by Friday, the 15th? No, the deadline was Friday the 15th when they were supposed to be, when they're supposed to be implementing this prepayment plan. Okay. So it was, this was our last commission meeting before that, that deadline. So I was just trying to make it so that it could get in front of the commissioners. They'd be able to act on it if they so okay. choose. Okay. Okay. Did you say you had a copy of the lease agreement? I've got, I've, I do, but there's like three different ones that I got, so I don't know which one is the one We don't one have those in, in our packet, though. Um, no, and I only got them the other day. I, this is before the – that's why I said that this is so broad, is because we weren't sure how this was going to be affected by yellow cabs, so I had to make sure that it was broad enough that if they came in a different form, we'd still be able to do it because of the 10-day notice. And this was, it was a lot of me hearing it. You know, I didn't really see it. So Same place I'm at. I've heard, you this. Know, I've heard I, this from the time that uh, that initial lawsuit started. I believe that's when this lease agreement idea came up a while ago. And that, I understand, is over with. But I've never seen a lease agreement or heard the exact terms of what this lease agreement involves. And, and like now I've heard that it's changed to December. So, uh, you know, I, I, I really don't know the factual, this is what, Okay. What is happening, and that's one of the things we're doing in Rules Committee, is we're trying to establish a rule that these leases have to be in place somewhere where we have access to them. So, okay. you know, it's we don't have that right now. Okay. So we do have this resolution on our agenda tonight. It's on for information and possible action tonight. The way I see this... Uh, portion of the agenda tonight going forward is more as a seminar. I know that Director Thigpen has done a lot of work in terms of background, and I know a lot of the commissioners, myself included, even though I've been in this industry for a long time, are not completely clear on all the facts of what's happening, what the legal implications are for what's happening, and so I intend to educate myself here tonight, and given that my understanding is that there is not anything intended to go into effect on April 15th. Uh, we have, August. and we'll find that. August 15th. August 15th. I don't know why I keep, I said that twice. That's tax day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's another it's all sub subtextual here in my mind with what's going on. So um, anyway, I see this as a information session for both the public and the commissioners to really understand better what the nature of this situation is, what the nature of the board's resolution to us is, what that means for us. And uh, so if there aren't any other further commissioner comments right now, I'd like to just turn it over to uh, Director Thigpen and let her uh, start her presentation. 
thank you and good evening commissioners and members of the public. Um, so I prepared a, a brief PowerPoint presentation and as I mentioned, um, I've been joined by a guest from the Department of Industrial Relations. I did also request um, a member of the Employment Development Department, which as you will see shortly is the other um, major regulatory agency involved in this situation. But on short notice, um, unfortunately the, the person was unavailable. Um, this uh, inviting of, of individuals only came up, I believe it was last Thursday or Friday, so um, they um, will most likely appear at a future hearing, but tonight they were simply unable to do so and um, did send their regrets. Um, so with that, I'll just uh, see again here the, um, the PowerPoint, assuming um, Media Services wants to avail me of that. So um, the topic is just going to be employment regulation of uh, San Francisco taxi cab drivers, although as you'll see, I'll touch on uh, California as a whole and um, some of the regulatory schemes that exist within the state of California. And please feel free to stop me if you have any questions or if something I'm saying is not too clear. Um, it's a very complicated um, set of regulations um, and uh, sort of a patchwork quilt really of, of uh, bureaucratic agencies that come together. And, um, you know, I have to say I owned a business for seven years in, in the city and it had locations in um, Nevada as well. And I actually was educating myself in some things I wish I had known at the time. So it's, it's, a, complicated, uh, it's a complicated issue. So I'll do my very best to explain it as clearly as possible. Okay. So the taxi cab industry in California is, um, you know, governed mostly um, well, in addition to just businesses operating and the regulations they're subject to, uh, cities or counties can regulate taxi cabs. Um, and then, of course, as we know, limousines are regulated, um, and everyone has different opinions about how effectively by the California Public Utilities Commission. So, uh, you know, clearly the San Francisco Taxi Commission sets rules and regulations. The Board of Supervisors sets the Municipal Police Code, which is our governing code. Beyond that, the state of California sets... Um, I'm sorry, yes, the Municipal Police Code, and then, of course, the state sets the Vehicle Code. But in addition, companies themselves are subject to layers of regulation for working conditions, um, for all taxes, all types of things that any other business would be subject to. And each class of business in the state of California is subject to different sets of regulations, just depending. Um, a circus, for example, is obviously going to be subject to a um, different uh, set of regulations than a retail store versus a taxi cab company. Now, um, California has different permitting systems for taxi cabs. Because it's left up to the cities or counties, it's created, a, a, again, a patchwork quilt, um, I think is the most uh, benign term to use here, of regulation. So each county does it a little bit differently. Um, we are unique in the state of California in that we have a public medallion system. And our system is unique, in fact, in the entire country. Uh, but in particular in California, um, for example, Los Angeles uses a franchise system which is more company-based and company-oriented. Everybody does it a little bit differently. So uh, while it's, it's a common um, thing that people like to do is to compare us to San Diego, San Jose, Los Angeles, um, Northern California, for example, Oakland has their own set of regulations, Berkeley. We are unique and we have evolved um, over time in this special way because of Proposition K. So 
Um, while nature abhors vacuum, certainly we, we can be considered in somewhat of a vacuum for that reason. Uh, okay, now responsibility is to the state that taxicab companies have. Um, for managers, and again, as you will see uh, under current uh, case law, there are certain uh, reporting and withholding requirements for employees, for those who are considered to be employees. <coughs> And that's under um, the Labor Code and, as you'll see, various other um, bodies of authority. Okay? Um, of course, managers, if they're working in the office, or clerical employees, those are sub as employees, they are subject to reporting and withholding requirements, the same as any other clerical employee would be. Somebody working in an office, um, for example, one of my staff members is subject to reporting and withholding requirements, meaning that the city has to report that individual's income and has to withhold certain taxes, okay, and pay into certain funds, okay. Additionally, uh, taxi cab companies are responsible for ensuring basic workplace conditions. And again, uh, each uh, set of businesses in the state is subject to different conditions. For example, a uh, plant that's manufacturing um, steel widgets is going to be subject to certain workplace conditions, um, you know, safe working conditions, etc. Versus an office, um, they're going to be subject to a little bit different regarding the workplace conditions. Additionally, that, that's physical conditions. There's also theoretical conditions, more philosophical conditions of how employees should be treated, as well as legal conditions such as overtime, rest periods, meal breaks, etc. Okay? Now, there are uh, three, um, the last being uh, rare, but could legally exist three types of arrangements in San Francisco for taxicab drivers. The first is the so-called daily gates and gas or per shift arrangement. That is an arrangement whereby a driver comes every day and receives a full tank of gas and puts gas in it throughout the shift if necessary, brings it back full and pays the, the daily gate, which is currently at $96.50 plus $7.50 surcharge for hybrid or uh, alternative fuel vehicles, as you know, based on the legislation from April of this year. Um, additionally, there are long-term leases, so-called, which uh, have not been defined in the Commission's code, but uh, technically would be for, theoretically, any other term of time other than a per-shift basis. So typically those are by month, uh, by year even, I've heard of them, even by week. So everybody just sort of has a different arrangement that they like to contract based on their needs and based on the company's needs at that time. And then the last, of course, is employee status for drivers. Um, and there is actually a provision in our municipal police code about that issue, and I'm not going to delve into that, but that would be another type of arrangement that a driver could operate under, theoretically. Now, there are several agencies involved in the executive branch in regulating taxicab companies. This is kind of, I actually had to take myself back to this, it's kind of like a basic, like a third grade civics lesson, is taking it from the judicial branch, the executive branch, and the legislative branch. So we're talking right now about the executive branch. This is under the auspice of the governor. So one of the departments under the auspice of the governor is the Employment Development Department. Okay? So we have two types of, in, we have two types of uh, insurance that they are responsible for 
dealing with, as you'll see what dealing with means. Unemployment insurance, also called UI, or state dis and state disability insurance, SDI. Okay, so when you get a paycheck and items have been removed, your employer has also matched these contributions, or in, this, in the case actually of SDI, it's taken directly from your check as I understand it. In the case of uh, unemployment insurance, your employer has to match that and pay into the fund. So when people are out of work, they go and get unemployment insurance, that money has to come from somewhere. It's coming from contributions that are matched by the employer, okay? So there's a giant fund that money's going into, and then that's a safety net for people who are out of work, okay? And state disability, when people are out on disability, they go and they can collect payments from that fund. Another important function uh, that the EDD, as I will now refer to it, performs is the payroll tax enforcement. And this is the issue of people paying into UI and or, and or not paying into UI. Also, if people are not paying employees on a paycheck system and reporting those employees, obviously those employees are not making a contribution to SDI. So there are two issues with that. SDI, yes. I do want to ask a question. I just want to clarify for myself. I thought um, UI was completely employer paid and SDI was employee paid. I'm hearing something different from you. As I, as I understand it, SDI is, is contributed by, the employee, by the employee. And I think UI... I never heard of a match for the UI, so that's why, what I'm asking. Not, I think I, it's employer paid. I think that... It, I don't want to misspeak, so yeah. I thought it was matching, but... That I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but again, I, I'm not sure that's why I'm asking okay. if anyone well, knows. I wish, you know, EDD was here because, again, this is... Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. Only because I know that in a lot of cases, employers um, feel that it's more employee-driven system even though they right. pay for it, and I don't think there's a match. Okay. 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 Well, so that, that might be an error for, for me to look into. Uh, okay. Then we have the Department of Industrial Relations, okay, and we have a guest here this evening. We have the division, um, and there are several programs within these, as we'll, as we'll see shortly. We have the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement and the Division of Workers' Compensation being most relevant to the taxi cab industry. So I didn't call out all the other ones. They'll be described briefly later, but uh, those are the most important with regards to the uh, taxi cab industry. Okay. Um, then we also have the Franchise Tax Board involved. And these are just the, there are obviously many other agencies that could potentially be involved in, in the regulation of this industry, but I'm just touching on the major ones here. So the other one would be the Franchise Tax Board. Now, the Franchise Tax Board is responsible for collecting personal and corporate income tax in the state of California. So it's California's IRS, basically. So um, any tax that is owed um, to it, then it will go out and, and attempt to get that money. And oftentimes, um, through working with the other agencies, it will notice violations and then it, it might want to obtain those, those funds that are owed to it. It also, once a judgment has been issued on um, labor law violations, it will collect um, fines owed, okay? Okay. Um, all right. So. Uh, the employment relationship in California, okay? Um, now, I'm not going to go through and read um, all of these uh, individual definitions, but essentially, um, obviously, an employer is, has a broad definition. That's from the labor code. Now, independent contractor and employee, um, this, is where, this is the crux of the matter that we're dealing with. How are individuals defined, 
is an individual employee or is an individual an independent contractor. And that's really the crux of what we're dealing with here. Because if an individual is declared to be an independent contractor, different rights and different obligations than in order to the employer and the employee for that matter. So these are summary definitions. These are not legal definitions. Basically, what these definitions say, and I've provided one from DIR for independent contractor and one from EDD for employee, is that you have to look at all the facts and all the circumstances in each individual case to make a determination. And both of the agencies support that and have stated that as a summary. Okay? So the relationship is defined in several different ways. As a matter of fact, the legislative branch, the assembly, or perhaps it was the Senate, you know, to get, well, in any event, they've provided a definition in the labor code. But, again, as many laws are, they are subject and open to interpretation by the individuals affected by them, by the courts who evaluate the legislation, and by the executive branch who carries out these laws. So even though there's a definition in the labor code, that doesn't mean that that's the definition for all time. There has to be an examination of all the facts and circumstances. And we'll go into some of the other, well, we have discussed some of the regulatory agencies, but as far as definition, but some of them provide through decisions that they've made internally, their own administrative decisions and through other vehicles that they have. Some of the executive branches, including the EDD and the DIR, have defined independent contractor and employee a bit more closely than in individual industries than you could otherwise in the labor code. Okay? And then evaluation of the relationship, of course, that is the function of the judicial branch. And as I just detailed, through administrative decisions of the executive branch, which function as quasi-judicial, as you commissioners often do, you might evaluate a particular rule or a particular provision of the municipal police code. That's a quasi-judicial function that you perform. Similarly, the EDD and the DIR also perform quasi-judicial functions. And through those published decisions and the lack of appeal by the affected parties, those decisions then become precedent and become an interpretation of what the rules are. Okay? So in some ways, as you'll see, they're very similar to the role that you perform on a regular basis. Okay, so what is the EDD? Okay? The EDD is composed of five programs. The first one is employment service. That's what I mentioned before, when people are out of work and they need to, you know, go get a job. They're not just going to be given a job. They're going to be assisted in finding a new one. So that's a very valuable function that it performs. An employment training panel similarly assists people with that work. Labor market information, the EDD serves as a repository of information where people can obtain information about the labor market in California. Unemployment and state disability insurance I touched upon before. Essentially, if you are out of work, our society has provided a safety net for you with this insurance, and you can go and avail yourself of those benefits. And, again, the crux of why we are here today is the issue of tax and whether payroll taxes have been appropriately collected and those funds have been appropriately reported and withheld. So a lot of questions that I've received in the course of the past, you know, couple weeks 
is, you know, what authority does the EDD have? How can it just come in and just come into a business and just, you know, come in and, uh, and audit it, okay? Um, the EDD is not unlike the IRS in this regard as it pertains to businesses. It has the right to come in and audit the businesses. And I've provided you, and this is from its website, um, Commissioners, I have provided you with an EDD information sheet which is entitled Employment Tax Audit Process. And I put this, it, I didn't put it in the packet because I just discovered this piece of doc, this document yesterday on its website. But essentially, uh, it describes the process for an audit. And it makes that process available to the public. Um, it's very informational. Um, in fact, I'm viewing it with interest for our own processes here because it does provide due, due process for the public and notice to the public of what they can expect when they're being audited. Uh, so that describes, I'm not going to go into detail on it, but this document is publicly available. Um, so the EDD has um, several ways of accomplishing, uh, several uh, vehicles of authority. It has guidelines, and I've attached the ones pertaining to the taxicab industry in the packet. Those are items that it publishes. It publishes those guidelines so that people, employers, and other members of the public can have a, a method of trying to comply with the rules. Okay, and these are guidelines. These are not the law. These are guidelines that the EDD has offered. Okay. Additionally, the EDD promulgates regulations, and those regulations are promulgated pursuant to the Administrative Procedures Act, which is the law for administrative procedures that state agencies in California pass. Okay. And it also has a code with regards to UI, and that is the Unemployment Insurance Code. Okay? The actions that it can take, it can audit, then it can make a decision, and then there can be an appeals process. So as a matter of fact, the EDD's administrative process is very similar to the Taxi Commission. There's an audit, a decision by the EDD, i.e. the Executive Director. There could be an appeal. Then it goes to an ALJ, then an appeal. Again, if it occurs, then it would go to the appeals board. From there, if an appeal is taken, it goes to the superior court. So similarly, a hearing officer, then taxi commission, then board of appeals, and then to superior court. Okay? And uh, now I will, unless there's any questions on what I've covered so far, I will ask our guest to come forward about the DIR. I have one through the chair. Um, Forgive my ignorance, but are all taxi companies paying UI at this time? Since I see from the EDD information sheet that many of them would be acceptable for collecting insurance. Are all the taxi cab companies paying UI now? Well, there are two classes of, of um, right individuals drivers. to consider. We have some, some taxi companies have clerical employees, some do not. Some, and then, of course, we have the driver population. So I can't speak to that. You know? I, I'm kind of looking at the driver population. Okay. Uh, and maybe narrow it down to, to yellow since I, a lot of the employees, are, uh, drivers are considered employees at yellow, are they? No, they're not. Isn't it, what company are they considered employees for the most part? Right now, there are, there, that, that's, actually, that's actually exactly what, what we're here about tonight is that very issue. 
are they employees or are they independent contractors? So probably, since we don't have a survey on it, and in the past most have been considered contract laborers, even though the EDD information sheet discerns different definitions, we probably need to look at whether or not anyone other than for their clerical workers have already been paying into UI, which I tend to not see because we've been treating everyone as contract laborers. It is not that we have been treating them. Well, we have here in our decision process, you know. That, yes, but ultimately the responsibility to comply with these rules rests with individual companies, and it will rest with the interpretation of these rules by the departments involved in regulation of these areas, which the commission does not regulate the payment of UI, for example. That's conducted, again, by the EDD as far as the regulatory aspect. So I guess after tonight I may not have this question, but right now my question is, is there any driver that a company is paying UI for? Is there any driver? And if so, I would like to know why. That's a question. I would also like to know that, and I do not know the answer to that. I tend to doubt it, but I would just like to know that. Okay. All right. So I'll invite our guest unless anyone else has a question. Okay. So I'd like to introduce Ann Hipschman. She is the staff attorney for the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement at the Department of Industrial Relations. Good evening, commissioners and members of the public. I am here to give you an overview of the Department of Industrial Relations as it relates to taxi drivers and how we view enforcement of the taxi cab industry in California in terms of whether the drivers are and should be considered independent contractors or employees through application of state law. I guess we're going to start a little bit with the organization of the department. The department is divided into several divisions, and each division, as with EDD, performs a separate function. The most relevant division for purposes of our discussion tonight is the division I work for, which is the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement, commonly referred to as the State Labor Commissioner's Office, or even more commonly referred to as the Labor Board. And our agency is charged with enforcement of all of the wage and hour laws in the state of California and a variety of other laws that impact on the workplace, such as we enforce the requirement that employers have workers' compensation insurance covering their employees. We also enforce the child labor laws, which require work permits and limitations on hours and duties of minors, which, of course, has nothing to do with the taxi cab industry. We also enforce the requirements that employers actually make the deductions for the required state and federal taxes and other programs to which employers are required to contribute to, such as unemployment, excuse me, such as disability insurance. Next, we have Division of Workers' Compensation, which is the largest of our programs, and that is the global agency that 
enforces the state's workers' compensation laws in the sense of when a worker is injured on the job, ensuring that the worker is able to obtain the proper care under the workers' compensation system and has an appeals board and a whole administrative process for adjudicating claims between workers and employers. And in connection with that, where someone is misclassified, for example, if a worker is classified as an independent contractor but really is an employee under state law, we have an uninsured employer fund. It is a fund that's collected and is available for workers who are classified as independent contractors to go and make a claim. Their claim is adjudicated, and part of the adjudication process is to determine their employment status. And if they are determined to be employees, then the money that's paid out in benefits is recovered from the employer. And then it's referred to our agency for enforcement of the fact that they didn't have insurance. Division of apprenticeship standards really is not important in this context, but what they do essentially is they overlook the apprenticeship programs, mostly in the building trades construction industry, the official union apprenticeship programs. And Division of Labor Statistics and Research, they also are not exactly affiliated with what we're talking about. And what they primarily do is make wage determinations, again, for union work and for public works, where a set minimum wage is made on a regional basis to determine what level the workers on a particular construction project have to be paid. They also collect some other information, but that's primarily what they do. And then Cal OSHA is the agency that enforces the workplace safety and health laws. And actually OSHA could be an agency that would be impacted by the taxi cab industry if there were issues of workplace health and safety violations, which is a possibility in this industry. And in terms of the authority that we have, what I'm going to talk about mostly is what DLSE does, because that's really what I know and what I think is most relevant to the discussion that we're having tonight. We have authority to enter any workplace in this state and conduct any investigation over an issue to which we have authority. And that is extremely broad. And our labor code powers, likewise, are extremely broad. As I said a little earlier, we are in charge of all the wage and hour, enforcement of all wage and hour laws in this state. In addition, DLSE has a very broad charge of power in the labor code. We have authority to enforce any law in this state that is labor-related to which another agency is not specifically assigned enforcement. So we have extremely broad authority. And I won't get into a lot of the programs that our agency is involved with, but I'll try to focus on the ones that really deal with the issue of independent contractor employee, which is something that our agency encounters on a daily basis in a wide variety of settings. 
And what we have is, first of all, I'm going to go in reverse order to what's on the PowerPoint. We start really with the Labor Code. The Labor Code gives us our broad authority for conducting workplace inspections, and they are of two varieties. One is in regards to wages, and we do the wage investigation two different ways. One is individual wage adjudication. In other words, a driver can come into our office, make a claim saying that he or she is an employee and is entitled to be paid wages that he or she was not paid, for example, overtime that he or she was not paid because they're receiving flat amounts per shift for the work they're performing and maybe worked more than eight hours a day or 40 hours in a week, work week. And we can take that claim, we process it, and in, as part of processing that claim, we make a decision about whether that individual is an employee or an independent contractor. Then we have another arm of our wage claim enforcement, which is our Bureau of Field Enforcement, which goes out and does company-wide or generalized inspections and audits. And part of that process is to look to see if employees are being paid properly. And if not, then that process would result in an audit that would either be conducted by the employer or by one of our investigators. And then the results of that audit would be finalized. And we'll go through a process that I will talk about in a minute. The other part of our enforcement over industries like the taxi cab industry has to do with our Bureau of Field Enforcement. And as part of their investigations, they also look into violation of a myriad of laws for which we issue civil money penalty assessments or fines against employers for violating certain laws. Most commonly in the context of taxi cab industry would be either failure to have workers' compensation insurance and issuing, not issuing detachable check stubs with the payment of wages. Now, in order for us to issue either one of these types of citations against an employer and assess fines, we have to make a determination about whether the employer has, the company has employees and is an employer. That is a threshold consideration for us. So again, every time we conduct an inspection into an industry like the taxi cab industry, we must make those determinations at the outset. We also have work with the Industrial Welfare Commission orders, and the taxi cab industry is under Order 9, which is the transportation industry. And that and the Industrial Welfare Commission is a quasi-legislative body that is appointed by the governor, and they promulgate regulations regarding wages, hours, and working conditions, and those are the Industrial Welfare Commission orders. And those, those Industrial Welfare Commission orders are exempt from the Administrative Procedures Act. The Industrial Welfare Commission has its own set of procedures that it follows, and its orders are final and binding and are constitutional. DLSE, since we have authority and are required to enforce such a 
wide variety of laws that impact in the workplace in so many different ways. We have what we call a policies and interpretations manual, which is similar to the fact sheets or the information sheets that the EDD puts out. This manual explains generally what our position is on a wide variety of topics. And those topics include the issue of independent contractor and employee. We have a very lengthy explanation of our position in our policies and interpretations manual, and I will discuss in more detail what our position is in a moment. Then finally, DLSE has a system of opinion letters that we put out. Members of the public can write to us with a specific factual scenario and ask us a specific question, and we will issue a detailed legal opinion about that particular workplace situation. And many of our opinion letters are posted on our website and are referred to in our manual topically. Now, in terms of the actions that DLSE takes, it depends on the forum in front of our agency that you're in. If you are involved with a wage issue, if it's an individual wage claim issue, then there's a specific process that's followed that can culminate in a superior court action where a judge will finally be the adjudicator of the case. And certainly, if it's a taxi cab driver, it will likely encompass the issue of whether that person is an independent contractor or an employee before you get to whether or not the person is owed wages. Where we do an audit globally through our Bureau of Field Enforcement, what happens is once the audit is complete, one way or another, either by our staff or by the employer, if the employer will not pay the monies owed to the workers based on the audit, our legal staff files a lawsuit for damages, including the wages and any penalties that may be owed under various statutes for the failure to pay wages, and we prosecute those cases, again, on a global level for all workers within a particular company. Where we've issued citations or tickets that are for fines for any of the various laws that we enforce, then there is an appeal, obviously, to within the agency it goes to a hearing in front of a hearing officer who is not an attorney and is not an administrative law judge. They're the same hearing officers that hear the individual wage cases. A decision is a hearing. In the hearing, it doesn't follow the formal Administrative Procedure Act procedures, but a less formal version of that. And the decisions, however, are final and binding unless a petition for writ of administrative mandamus is filed, and then the Superior Court reviews our decisions, our final decisions, based on the administrative record. And, in fact, I can say that DLSE has been involved recently in a series of taxicab sweeps, which means we've gone, our staff, investigative staff, have gone out in various geographic areas of the state and have looked into 
taxicab companies in those local areas jointly with EDD and other agencies as cooperative enforcement actions and have found traditionally that drivers are employees, not independent contractors. And I want to start my explanation of that by saying that the parties, in other words, the drivers and the taxicab companies or any purported employer-employee are not allowed to make a decision between themselves whether or not the workers are treated as employees or independent contractors. That decision has to be made based on all of the facts and circumstances that are found in the workplace. And that's one of the reasons that you find, for example, in the Borrello decision, which is the seminal decision of the state Supreme Court in this area, that the fact of an independent contractor agreement, a written agreement, is of little value in making this determination. Little or no value, really. It doesn't matter. In fact, I usually find the agreements between the parties quite useful in showing exactly what control really is exercised by the company over the worker. Usually the agreements, while they're purporting to be independent contractor agreements, actually make the case otherwise. In Borrello, the court, in determining the issue of independent contractor status for purposes of DIR, this was a workers' comp citation that we had issued. Again, we enforce the fact that companies have to have workers' comp insurance for all of their employees. And we had issued a citation saying that a grower needed to cover certain harvesters and certain field workers for purposes of workers' comp. And the grower's position was that these workers were actually independent contractors. And the Supreme Court, in deciding Borrello, made a departure from the common law test, which still somewhat is applied by EDD, and I'll get to that a little later, and said that where you have, and again, the EDD history is a little different because where you're talking about taxation, it's really different than the public policy in favor of protective legislation for workers. And so what Borrello said is where you're talking about protective legislation that involves protection of workers, which includes the fact that they have the ability to be part of the workers' comp system if they're injured, they have the ability to go and file a claim and be covered by it, as well as all of the wage and hour issues, payment of wages, et cetera. All of those considerations make the traditional or the old or the common law test for finding of employment, which really was primarily a concern over control over work details, not so applicable in this more liberalized setting where you want to find workers covered by these state mechanisms that protect them. 
So the court said that what you really are going to look at, again, we're still on Borrello. What the court said is what you really want to look at is enterprise control. Who controls the company as a whole? And applying that to the taxi industry, it's clearly the taxi cab company. It's not the driver. And you also look at these indicia of other indicia such as control over the work details only where it's necessary, and it isn't always necessary. You look at opportunity for profit or loss. You look at investment in tools. You look at a variety of other indicia. You also look at the business purpose of the company. You have a taxi cab company. You have taxi cab drivers. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you do have a decision that a company is now an employer rather than an independent contractor. Such as the yellow cab decision, which I'm going to get to next. Are there consequences for the drivers then, deductions for unemployment insurance? Everything should be taken out of their salaries? That's right. And when you have a published decision such as yellow cab where the drivers of that particular company have been determined by a court conclusively to be employees, then that's right. They have to be treated as employees, and it's a violation of the law to treat them as independent contractors. When you say yellow cab, are you speaking of San Francisco's yellow cab or another one? Yes, because that's the yellow cab cooperative in San Francisco was the company that was the subject of that lawsuit that was decided in 1991. Yes. How do you determine the income then of the drivers? Well, you can, okay. Mr. Benjamin, I think we should go through the whole presentation because I think she's probably going to get to a lot of our questions, and I know that we don't want to be here all night. We do want to. Yeah, this could take. Yeah, we want to wrap this up in the next half an hour. I will definitely get through this before that. Okay. So I would like you to finish your presentation, and if we can, hold off questions until the end because some of these questions might be answered. And those of you who are waiting outside, I don't know if this is legal to have this many people. Shall I call OSHA? Yeah, hang on just a second. We might have that. We have an overflow room that we can use if possible, and I want to make sure everybody has their cell phones off. There's been about four or five that have gone off in the last hour or so, so make sure your cell phones are off. And if some of you who are over there might want to balance out the room over there, there's a little bit more room to stand on the other side. But tomorrow you might need to look into whether or not the overflow. Okay. There's a screen in there. I'm sorry. We're just going to take a break for a second until we get this resolved. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
think I should try to start it. We're so popular tonight. Oh, well. What you saying? That most of the people here are about long-term leases. Well, I thought, I thought it was this to stop yellow cap from charging them. I'll say that. No, no, no. I mean the fee, the fee had fee. But the whole issue is this issue is ultimately what's behind it. Too much was packaged into one thing. Okay, we've opened up another room, room 416 down the hall. If there's a screen and there's, you'll be able to watch the proceedings of the hearing. There's lots of seats in there. If we could, those of you who don't have seats, you can stand here if there's just a few of you, but there's a whole room, 416 down the hall, you'll be able to watch the hearing. And those of you who want to speak at some point might want to grab one of the orange cards and leave it with us. And if maybe somebody could take along some of those cards to the other room if they want to speak. I don't know if we have enough of them there or not. Okay, and again, make sure all your cell phones are off so we don't have any more of those going off. Okay. Okay, thank you for patience. So while Borrello was the start of an evolution of the issue of independent contractor employee under California law, the next case really that made a big impact was Yellow Cab versus Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. And that case is significant for several reasons, not just that it's the taxi cab industry, but it really discusses the issues of independent contractor employee in the taxi cab industry. And basically the court found that you do look at enterprise control and you also look at what's called under federal law the economic realities test. Is this worker dependent on this company to make his or her living? And in the taxi cab industry that has several consequences, not the least of which is that even where a company sets up a program or informs the drivers that they're not required to take dispatches, for example, the fact of the matter is most drivers are reliant on dispatches to make a living. And thus the economic reality of the situation is that they are under the control of the company and they are employees of the company, which is what the court found in Yellow Cab. Since then there have been numerous other decisions. I just looked at the Tracy versus Yellow Cab, which is just a superior court decision, which I think impacts on the gate issue, the fact that it's illegal for an employer to require an employee to post money to go to work. So it's really important whether or not the worker is an employee because all of these protective 
provisions in the Labor Code only apply to employees. Independent contractors have no rights under the Labor Code. Their rights are purely contractual. So the decision is very important. Most recently, the law has taken another turn and has evolved again a little bit. In the three cases that are listed, the JKH Enterprises case, which is, again, one of our workers' compensation citation appeal cases, Air Couriers v. EDD, which is an EDD tax case, and it's very significant that it was an EDD tax case, and then Estrada v. FedEx, which is a private class action. In all those cases, drivers, these are courier drivers, but these are drivers, were determined to be employees. And starting with JKH, the court has now been focusing on business purpose as being the most important factor. Where you have a taxicab company and you have taxicab drivers, it's most likely that these drivers are going to be employees and not independent contractors. And Air Courier is important because there the court applied Borrello to a tax, an EDD tax case, as opposed to sticking strictly with the common law test. So the EDD test and the DLSE or DIR test are moving very close together now and are very similar. And that means that we're going to have a much greater uniformity of decisions in terms of a finding of employment. And just so you know, there is a statutory presumption that someone performing services for another is an employee. And that presumption is obviously rebuttable, but the employer or the company bears the burden of proving. It's a defense to enforcement of all these laws, and it is the company that bears the burden of proving that someone is an independent contractor rather than an employee. And again, it's got to be by an objective evaluation of the evidence and not any purported agreement. Any other questions? To the chair. I just have a question about what you just immediately said. It brought to mind performing services for another or performing services for the self. And when I think of that, I think of control of the income. The taxi cab driver is out, isolated from the company, controlling the take of the income in a cash form for the most part. And the company has no control over those funds except what's reported, because currently it's set up as gas and gates. So reporting of tips, reporting of anything is out of the control of the company. If a taxi cab driver chooses to be less than aggressive in performing service during the whole shift, income is affected not according to what the company would want the person to do. So is the taxi cab driver performing service for him or herself? Well, the money is going to the driver. Well, no, it's going to both. They're paying to drive the cab. The company is making money or else the company wouldn't be in business. But they're performing. This is just a question. I'm not stuck on anything. But in my mind, depending on how much of a, well, I'll just say a go-getter the driver is, they're performing service more for themselves than the company. Again, the economic reality is what feeds into that. If the person has to be out there making a certain amount of money to survive, 
for but the the gates already taken care of right you know so well not necessarily i mean technically it shouldn't already be taken care of the date gate is part of what the the driver has to earn in a day to maintain any kind of level and and the and from what i understand of the industry the gate comes off the top so to the extent that the driver doesn't earn much over the gate the driver doesn't make any money this is just a gray area for me you know i can see it both ways but it's a very gray area the court in yellow cab really addresses that and and basically says that based on the economic reality of the situation the driver has to be out there taking fares otherwise the driver can't survive you can't look at it that the driver is going to be lethargic about about um trying to find fares either through dispatch or or otherwise because other in that case the driver won't be able to pay his rent or her rent you know they won't be able to pay for food i i just want to make it clear i don't mean all drivers yeah. I, I, there are a lot of uh, genuine uh, public serving drivers here i'm just saying that there are also cases of individuals who sit and wait for the fares to come so you know you have both sides and that's why it's great to me and you're going to find that in any setting for look at the retail setting you have a retail store in the in the sales floor the the floor the staff on floor make commissions as well as maybe minimum wage and if if they decide not to go out there and really try to make sales they're not going to make a lot in commissions and it's going to impact their income doesn't mean they're not employees right and 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 again I'm going to close it off because I won't drag this on but uh, that brings me back to the income because the income I I I think it's a gray area of who's in control of the income. Let me tell you yeah. that if you look at labor code section 200 mm-hmm. defines wages. Wages mean any form of remuneration that are paid to the worker. It can be paid by hourly, salary, commission, piece rate, task, it can be daily. A lot of workers in different contexts other than taxi cabs are paid on a daily wage rate and and essentially the gate um gate rate is a daily rate of pay that's all it is it doesn't mean that the worker is not earning wages i understand what you're saying i just need to digest this more because there seems to be this gray area for me i'd like to uh address a question to the edd information sheet on the taxi cab industry where they they have several bullet points where they I don't know you're not from that no. agency but you say that your philosophies are coming closer together mm-hmm. and this is the actual cause that there's so many people here tonight that there is uproar in the industry right now um the uh one of the bullet points says that fixed fees drivers as employees in the taxi cab industry one of the characteristics is that they lease the taxi cab on a daily basis or pay the lease fee at the end of every shift and in the next category um drivers who are considered to be independent contractors according to these guidelines one of the bullet points says prepay to lease a taxi cab for a period of at least 28 days so i'm trying to focus in on what's actually happening right here in San Francisco right now which is that cab drivers for the most part have been paying gas and gates paying at the end of the night and for purposes other than workers comp in terms of when we file our taxes we pay self-employment tax we don't right 
we've, that's what we've been doing. And that's, that's those of us who pay taxes pay a self-employment tax. We consider ourselves to be independent contractors for the purposes of income tax. Mm-hmm. For the purposes of workers' comp, and I think San Francisco is perhaps unique in any city in California, at least, we actually do require cab companies to have workers' comp insurance. And I think other cities are getting away with not doing that, so I'm wondering why. I think that's right, and we're going after them, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Now, but my I question is... I also want to point out that worker, the requirement that they have workers' comp insurance is an indicia of employment, because only employees are covered by workers' comp insurance, not independent contractors. Okay, so to get back to my original question, why is it that someone who prepays for a period of 28 days is considered an independent contractor and someone who pays at the end of the night is considered an employee? I would disagree with that, and I have no idea. And I don't think that we would look at it the same way, and I don't know when this fact sheet was, well, let's see, it says 06, and that's way before these cases came out. And I'm not so sure that EDD would have this opinion today. Okay, but this is what the lawyers for the local taxi companies are looking at. I understand. And this is the cause of so much turmoil yeah. and so much anxiety, frankly, uh-huh. among all the cab drivers who are in this room who are now having to face well, a large be. financial burden to come into compliance with this provision of this. Rather than paying at the end of the night, they now have to come up with several thousand dollars to pay a month's worth of leases well, in advance. Well, I don't think under state law they can, that the company can, can require them to do that. I think if, if Yellow Cab implements that program or has implemented that program, we would look at that very carefully and we would say that under state law that's illegal. Okay, well then why, <laughs> I guess I still wonder why this information sheet is out there saying that 28-day prepayment makes you an independent contractor in the taxi business. I can't answer that. You need to talk to someone from EDD. And again, it was this was issued in 06 before the cases that I just explained, the more recent cases were decided, and EDD's position has evolved since then. And I don't know why they're still putting this out. I can't answer it. I'm not with EDD. And, you know, the thing is that in my, from my perspective, the drivers have had this huge burden put on them that's illegal, and that is they have to pay self-employment tax. If you're an employee, you don't pay self-employment tax. The employer... (coughs) bears the burden of those taxes, and that's where it's supposed to be. The cab companies have attempted to shift the burden for the cost of doing business from themselves to the drivers, and that's impermissible. Uh, uh, excuse okay. me. May, may I please? I want to really... I, I want to... For, for the most part, the audience has been very good tonight in terms of attentive and quiet, but there won't be any kind of cat calls or applause or anything like that, and the next time it happens, whoever will be asked to leave. Yeah. uh, First of all, I appreciate you being here, but I I don't want this to be antagonistic at all. What what we're going through here is a transition that Mm -hmm. the medallions all used to be independently owned. Now the city owns it. So we're trying Mm -hmm. to sort out what happens with all those changes. When everyone owned their own medallion and and was in charge of that, it was a whole different set of circumstances, perhaps. And so now we're trying to sort things out. What year was that? Proposition K passed in 1978. Prior to that, the medallions were private property, could be bought and sold. No, but nobody has sorted it out. Nobody has done anything about it. Yeah. I understand, and I'm not trying to be antagonistic. I'm just trying to give you our but There's a high point. level of concern right now about this issue, and yeah. there seems to be a disconnect, frankly, between common practice 
in the industry and what we're hearing from the state tonight. And, and so. custom and practice in the industry is not a factor that weighs into this evaluation at all. That is a that has been routinely decided by the courts. It has nothing to do with a, an evaluation of independent contractor employee status. For example, the courier industry, where we encountered it if, about maybe five years ago, every courier company in the state, almost without exception, there were a couple that operated with the employee model. The rest had gone to an independent contractor model, and we have almost uniformly obtained decisions that say that the, the drivers are employees, not independent contractor. It has nothing to do with custom and practice in the industry. Let me ask another question, which is, is there any attempt to sort of, I don't know how to phrase this, because for, I've gone to conventions around the state, the taxi mm -hmm. industry, and believe me, people, this is their practice. The, oh, is, I'm, I'm well is, aware. <laughs> so... I don't know of a single, I mean, Nevada, I think, has employees that they consider themselves explicitly cab drivers or their employees in, in Nevada, but for, I don't know of a single cab driver who considers himself right now an employee in San Francisco or, or in the whole state of California, and most, most people are requiring like a week's worth of leases. So I'm wondering, you know, is this going to happen through sort of waiting for a knock on the door, or is it any kind of an attempt to have a political solution to this so people can understand what the rules are rather than just sort of waiting for a knock at the door and someone to come in and investigate and perhaps a judgment to come down that would require companies who are frankly everybody in this industry is is working on very low income yes, this is I not understand. a high income industry yeah. so cab drivers don't have thousands of dollars lying around cab companies don't have millions of dollars lying mm -hmm. around so I'm wondering whether there's any attempt at all, and maybe you're not the right person necessarily to ask this question, but to have some kind of uniformity in the law and some kind of clarity in the law on a statewide basis or whether we're all going to be sort of winging it okay. on our own. Let me tell you what the problem is. I think there is pretty, right now, I think there's pretty good uniformity and clarity in the law. I think that industries like the taxicab industry are ignoring it. And our agency just does not have the staff to go out and knock on everyone's door. We have 300 employees statewide and maybe 100 investigators statewide, and there's no way that we have the resources to do this. I think, I think frankly, a company like Yellow Cab understands what their responsibilities are. They've been told repeatedly through the years through lawsuits. They choose to ignore it. What are we supposed to do? We, you know, we could have all companies complying with the law if they really wanted to look at it and really wanted to comply. Other than that, it, it's going to take enforcement and it's going to take enforcement on a company by company basis. And I don't think that there is going to be a political solution to this any time in the near future. I, don't, I just don't see it happening for a variety of reasons. The question I was beginning to ask you before is exactly that. In your uh, investigations that you've completed uh, recently uh, with the law and you found that these are employers rather than independent contractors, well, employees, rather, empl rather, employees yeah. rather than independent contractors, has their status then changed as employees and are they required, are, are the no. companies then required to deduct uh, taxes and what have you for uh, 
We are telling them they have to. EDD is conducting audits on some of these employers. They haven't changed their practices yet. But they should do that then. It's my position that they should. They are going to go down kicking and screaming, and I don't know what it's going to take. It may take lawsuits for injunctive relief to force them to do it. I don't know. Again, Yellow Cab had this decision made in 1991, and they're still operating that way. And your expertise in the workman's comp, if you could answer one question for me. Okay, I'll try. We've had individuals that are medallion holders working for a color scheme. Are you familiar with those terms, the color scheme? Yeah. And a medallion holder will work for a color scheme and say that he's a single shifter, which means that he works only himself, and theoretically he doesn't have any employees working for him. The requirement for workman's compensation has come up, and I think is even currently a question now in regards to that individual. If he's a medallion holder working a single shifter, does worker's comp, our law says that he should have worker's comp. Is that what the state requires him to have? You're saying that he should have worker's comp as an employer. Maybe you can help me. I don't know that I would agree with that. I would say that the color scheme has to have worker's comp that covers him. Jordana, you can fill in with this in regards to the example of Bay Cab with individuals there who are saying that they're single shifters and they don't require worker's comp. Can that be cleared up? Yeah. We're actually going to have a whole hearing on worker's comp, and hopefully our guest will return if we're hospitable enough to her in the future, and we'll speak about worker's comp. I will just make one statement is that it's actually that the single shifters are, they're claiming that they can't get insurance from the insurance company because they're considered owners of the business, and under a lot of worker's comp policies, if not 99.9% of them, the owner of the business is not covered under the policy. So they are going to all these insurance companies and saying, please, I want worker's comp. I want to be able to comply with what the taxi commission says, and the insurance companies are saying, no, we're considering you a business owner because you are the permit holder to operate that taxi cab vehicle. That's where that's coming in. So these guys are single shifting, allegedly, theoretically, single shifting with no drivers attached to them. Those individuals are the ones that are problematic, and so like I put in my staff report, Bay Cab, there's two medallions at issue, and Bay Cab's made a Herculean effort to come into compliance, but these two, according to the owner, but these two medallions can't get it. I see. But you're considering these two single shifters to be actual business owners, employers, not employees. They are saying that the insurance companies are making that consideration. We are not the ones making that consideration. We want everyone to be equally covered, but that's what their argument is, and so we're going to be dealing with that. That's going to be a full hearing on worker's comp because that's a whole other ball of wax. And one other question that comes up with employee independent contractor questions is in regards to the city treasurer has begun taxing our drivers as independent contractors, and you're considering them employees. What would be your decision in that idea? I can't make a decision. Again, I have to look at the circumstances, and it can be company-wide. It could be based on the facts of the case. I can't make a decision. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
based on individual drivers depending on those circumstances. And what I would suggest you do is talk to your tax assessors and try and coordinate with them so that you have a uniform position on it. Do you want to wrap up, Jordana or Tom? Do you have questions? I just have a couple. One is, did I hear you correctly in saying prepayments are illegal? I'm saying that, okay, I didn't want to get into this, but the gate system seems to have curried approval by the courts, as long as the difference between what a driver is paying in a gate and what they ultimately end up with for the night is greater than minimum wage. However, gate and gas, first of all, may not be legal. If the drivers are employees, they cannot have the overhead of the business shifted onto them, and that would include paying for gas. Labor Code Section 2802 would prohibit that and require that they be reimbursed either on a mileage rate or for the gas they've bought through a receipt, you know, a reimbursement. That's number one. An employee cannot be required to pay to go to work, and that's what I see this 28-day gate system as requiring. They have to put up a bunch of money to go to work, and that is illegal under California law. Okay. And the other thing, to get it clear in my head, as far as employer-employee. It's different with the gate because they're earning the money when they're paying it out. Do you understand? But where they actually have to put it up front, that's the difference, and I don't think that's legal. Okay. And the employer-employee status, to get it clear in my head, if there was no yellow cab, there would be no place for these drivers to go to make money, so that's how you get the employer-employee status. Yeah, enterprise control. That's right. And economic reality, for that matter. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll just briefly wrap up, Commissioner. So obviously, as you can see from this, what I apologize for not being a brief overview, but an overview of employment regulation of San Francisco taxi cab drivers, there's multiple, multiple agencies involved in regulation of these individuals, of drivers. And, you know, not just in the regulation of the companies, but in the regulation of the employment status of the drivers themselves. And there really is a patchwork quilt. And even you saw from the presentation that EDD might have one finding and DIR might have a parallel finding. You see that even in our own city, where, you know, we have been sort of, while not having a hard and fast rule or a municipal police code section that drivers are employees, for workers' compensation purposes, you can see that we've been considering them employees so that they are covered by workers' compensation. However, as you know, the Treasurer's Office is assessing the $25 fee or whatever it is this year for a business tax license, which would be something that an independent contractor would have to pay and not an employee. So clearly there's many layers of regulation here. And it's obvious, I think, to everyone in the room, and it's definitely obvious to me that we definitely need some clarification here. We need some clarification at the state level. And as you say, Commissioner Gillespie, politically is that going to happen? 
That is the $8 million question. So that's all I have, unless someone has any questions for me before I – and I will also just note respectfully for the public, I, I do have to leave the meeting early, which is why we started at 5.30, so I don't mean it as a sign of disrespect. If I uh, leave, it's unprecedented um, that I would have to leave the meeting early, and I do apologize for that. Okay. Um, well, there's clearly a lot more questions to ask and a lot more to – because I'm – I know more now but I don't ha have any greater sense of where to go with this now. I have, basically I've been told by the state one thing, I'm being told by the city another thing, I'm being told by common practice in the entire taxi industry of California by another thing. And, you know, we're faced with a resolution from the Board of Supervisors to say that we should, you know, make something illegal that is that is well in, into uh starting to be implemented and personally I don't like the idea of prepayments either I like the idea of paying gas and gas at the end of the night and I think a lot of drivers pay that, like that too and yet we've been told by a representative from the state that that probably makes you an employee um, so it's very frustrating because we have to live in the real world here drivers have to live in the real world cab companies have to live in the real world uh, when a cab company is hit with years of back taxes you know, that's a very painful thing to to have to absorb. So, you know, those of us who are on this taxi commission, <laughs> you know, we're a lot smarter than we were two hours ago, but I'm not so sure that, that we can even pass a law that will somehow be binding on people, given that there are these contradictory, uh, you know, impulses and, and things that are out there. So... I do want to make a statement, and Commissioner Onetto might want to follow up on this. I, I have the sense that there's a lot of people here who are concerned about the issue of long-term leases versus gates and gas, and that there is some proposal that's on the table tonight that may eliminate long-term leases. Is that? Can I just see a show of hands of people who are really concerned about that specific issue, about the elimination of long-term leases? And... and Okay. Okay. I understand that. Thank you. I understand that. Thank you. So, for Commissioner Onetto, would you like to, yeah, it, before we that, waste everyone's time here tonight? For those that didn't understand what I, I, I explained before, the only reason the long-term lease was in part of this proposal is because I was not sure what form the lease was going to take in the prepayment from Yellow Cap. I wasn't specifically trying to get at the long-term leases. I just didn't know which way Yellow Cab was going with this. So leases are in this only because they were calling it a prepayment and they could have changed it into a lease. That's the only reason that came in like that. So I hope that explains it better. It's not about what is the long-term leases that are already in place. It was about the new change of business prepayment. That is the way I had to do it because I didn't have the Board of Supervisors decision yet. I had to give you all 10 days notice. This is all that happened out of the last commission meeting. I had to make it broad. And if you don't, you know, that's, that's how it came about like this. So, 
there's no consideration then to, as I understand what you're saying, and to clarify that no one's interested in eliminating long-term leases tonight. That's the point that I want to make to a lot of the people who may be here tonight, that we are not going to consider a resolution, nor are we going to vote on a resolution tonight to eliminate long-term leases. Okay. So... So... I understand that this is a fascinating topic. This is a fascinating topic nonetheless. However, if those of you who are here tonight... Excuse me. We just sit down for a second. If those of you who are here tonight and who want to speak to just get up and, and tell us that, we, that that's a bad idea, feel free to leave tonight because that will not be on the agenda. That will not be in the form of a resolution tonight. Okay. So if that's why you're here and you want to take a second to quietly exit, and this goes also for the people who are in the other room, obviously you're free to stay and discuss the issue that we're going to discuss tonight on about prepayment and, and the employee independent contractor status, but if you're only here to discuss long-term leases and gates and gas, you can feel free that... Okay. So... Um, Please leave quietly. Having said that, if you, if, you, if you do care to stay, that's fine. If you care to leave, that's fine also. So I have a lot of... Uh, Okay. Okay, if those of you who are going to leave can do it as quietly and as quickly as possible so we can get on with the meeting here tonight. And, and then at, if we free up enough seats, we might be able to allow some of the people in the other room to come back here. Okay. So the meeting will come back to order. We're going to go to public comment now. And uh, oh. I'm going to allow uh, two minutes for public comment on this because there are a lot of speakers who would like to speak. So the first three speakers will be uh, Jim Gillespie and Thomas Ng and Richie Weiner. And if we could just keep it, uh, if someone could ask the people outside to try to keep it down and keep that door closed, thank you, because there are a lot of people here. 
Okay. Okay, it sounds like the decibel level has gone down to a manageable level. So, there you go. Okay, Commissioners, Jim Gillespie with Yellow Cab. Um, I heard uh, comments that were made this evening. And, uh, Keep the door shut, please. Sorry. Please, uh, okay. Sorry, I'll start, start over again. Uh, I heard the comments made this evening. Just a couple of comments I'd like to make. Uh, you know, we've uh, Yellow Cab has been in, in council with uh, you know several labor attorneys, uh, other officials in the state. Uh, we had a meeting today uh, with several of the cab companies in the state, and met with uh, a state uh, individual that uh, is going to assist us in meeting with some of the top personnel at uh, EDD and DIR to discuss uh, some of these issues, you know, concerning the cab companies and uh, independent contractor status and so forth and. Uh, and I'm uh, kind of reserve uh, my comments uh, basically uh, to see how this goes forth. And I would encourage this commission also not to uh, get you know overly anxious to have to make decisions concerning our business decisions when this is being uh, looked into at a state level. Uh, and we expect this to go forward fairly rapidly. Um, just as far as what's happening at Yellow Cab and maybe why we've made the decisions we've made, uh, you know, da daily gate and gas has been the norm in San Francisco for over 40 years. I, I know that because I've been driving for 39 years. Uh, most other cities in the state, throughout the state that have gone to a monthly prepayment, uh, almost everybody is, uh, uh, you know, weekly to monthly uh, uh, leases. They're not daily gate and gas. Um, Yellow Cab has determined that uh, we would be in better compliance, even though it was said a little differently earlier, but better compliance with DIR and EDD points of independent contractor status by going to a monthly lease. Um, you know, and as was pointed out earlier, uh, a directive, even though it's from 06, it is the current uh, paper that's on the EDD website. If you were to go to it today to see what they're enforcing, um, that's the latest uh, and greatest that they've got on their website. And uh, so at this point, that's the directions we're trying to follow. Uh, certainly making these decisions has been burdensome to Yellow Cab. Uh, certainly not a help to us to try to you know, go to this program. So can you just clarify for us what the current plan is at Yellow Cab as far as implementing? At one time, there was an August 15th deadline for a full monthly prepayment. Can you tell us what the status of that is and what the current thinking is? Well, certainly, you know, trying to not, you know, create any more burden that needs to be created. Um, you know, the goal is to go from, you know, daily gate and gas to, uh, you know, a monthly lease. Uh, to get there, we've basically extended to, uh, to December that the drivers, you know, need to be, you know, prepared, need to have accumulated their, uh, their monthly lease fee and have that, you know, on account. And so then we can move forward. Uh, prior to that, um, on August 15th, instead of uh, paying at the uh, 
end of your shift, those who aren't already on the monthly lease will be paying at the beginning of their shift until such time as they're ready to go on to the monthly lease program, somewhere between now and December. So in other words, starting this Friday, drivers will prepay the shift. They'll pay it. They won't be able to go out for that night until they have the prepayment for whatever that is. Unless they're already on the monthly lease program, correct. Okay. Are there any other questions for what's happening at Yellow Cab? Because this is what's precipitated a lot of this. You are implementing the prepayment then? Yes. Well, okay. I guess the situation is you've changed the method of the way you're operating. We are in the dark. We haven't seen a lease. We're responding to 7,000 ACARD holders that are part of this, part of the regulatory process here too. And, you know, it's kind of typical. You're just changing things without us being informed so that we can maybe have a discussion and wouldn't have to come to the process that we're at tonight. Well, except if we were making decisions that involved rules and regulations, certainly we should bring it to the commission. If we're making a business decision, you know, what software we're going to use at the cab company or how we're going to collect our fees, my feeling that would be a business decision. As far as a copy of our lease, I think you've probably known about this for at least a month that we're doing this thing, and certainly if you'd want to call or come by, this lease would have been available to you. Since it was a business decision, we didn't feel it was necessary that we need to bring, you know, everything to the commission unless we were asked to. Well, you do understand that we have a responsibility to the ACARD holders too. Yeah. And don't you think changing the practice on how you're charging them would come back to this commission? Well, anything could come back to the commission, but we're not doing anything. We're collecting. We're just deciding we're going to collect the lease in a different fashion, and that's certainly a business decision. Whether it's a good decision for us or a bad decision, I guess, you know, that would be for us to make. And I'm trying to be respectful saying that, but I think, again, we have to make a decision. Is this a business decision that we're making, or is this something that involves rules and regulations? If it's a business decision, then we make it, and we weren't secret about it. We, you know, posted it at Yellow Cab and everything else, but we didn't see a necessity to come to the commission for permission. Well, I guess somebody saw a necessity because I think there was an 11-0 vote at the Board of Supervisors to urge us to stop prepayment. Well, you have to ask them why they're doing it. I guess they were asked by a couple of people, a few people to do that, so they did. You know, I still say it's, to me, it's obvious that it's a business decision on our part, and we're doing it basically for the survival of the cab company and for the independent contractor status for the drivers. Otherwise, it would be ridiculous for us to do this because we're here having to explain it. It's been a burden financially to us for an accounting situation administratively. It's the last thing that I prefer that we do. Okay, last question I'm going to ask you is on these prepayments, are you going to be paying interest to all these individuals and holding individual accounts for them? Yes. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you
Now these aren't deposits. These are these are the prepayment of their lease. It's going to the account. There is no interest. We're not earning interest on it either. Well, it's got to be sitting somewhere if it's 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 going in our general to... bank account and going through like the gates do now. It's no no different from that. No no uh, no. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. So all their monies are going to be commingled and there's not going to be any interest. That's that's that was my question. Yeah. It's, it's, yes, you're right. It's not a deposit account, and so there won't be interest. Correct. Okay. So you don't see this request for money to be affected by the Tracy decision. You don't see this as being prohibited by that. No, because this is not a That prohibited security deposits, if I understand it. And you're not considering this to be a security deposit, but a prepayment of the lease. Certainly not. I mean, a security deposit, uh, heck, we could use it for all kinds of stuff, I guess. If you got in an accident, could take it for an accident, do whatever. So this is not, this is a, this is the, their lease payment, their monthly lease payment. And that's all it is. Um, if you know if they were to leave uh, before the end of the month, then they had money you know that they had prepaid and they're due back. Then we'd have to pay that back to them. And just so I can be clear in my mind, I'm going to go to Commissioner Bresnan a second. That you took this action based on the published guidelines of the EDD saying the 28-day prepayment makes you more likely to be considered an independent contractor. That's what it says. Yes. Okay, and that's what I wanted to clarify because earlier we heard from the state that that might be. Obsolete yeah, and we've talked to other people in the state that said just the opposite. So that's why we're trying to facilitate a meeting here fairly soon with the uh, kind of the, the superiors at both uh, EDD and DIR and have a dialogue with them here hopefully in the next within the next 30 to 60 days. I appreciate that. Any other questions? Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Thomas Eng, and then uh, Edwin Santiago. Some of you might have left. What about Richie? You called him? Oh, yeah, I called Richie. I don't know what happened to your card. You be next, Richie. Hi, Commissioner. My name is Thomas Ng, Medallion Holder, 368, uh, with DeSoto Care, uh, long-term needs right now. I just point, like to point out a few things about the long-term needs. Most long-term needs drivers are under no choice to do the long-term needs because the company won't able to give them a full-time shift. And uh, the company tell them to just come in and wait. Sometime after a few hours waiting, they may have to go home without working. Also, the company give dispatcher a minimum wages. Some of the dispatcher do very well with the minimum wages. They own their own Mercedes, home, it means they take a lot of money out from the driver every day. When there's money involved, things could be ugly and unfair. But don't bring them for doing this because the company give them so little and want them to collect it from all the driver. The company also provide an envelope service for the driver to put their money in if the driver don't want anyone to see how much they put in. So under this situation, when the gate fee is $100 per shift, <laughs> trust me, commissioner, at the end of the day, all drivers end up pay a lot more than just the gate fee. So, commissioner, if you ask all the long-term drivers that they get a full-time shift from the company and without all this extra charge, you will see a lot of the driver willing to give up the long-term leave because they just want to have a regular shift, put food on the table for their family. And the reason they're doing that is they couldn't get a full shift. 
and they cannot survive just work two days a week. Thank you. Thank you. Richie Weiner and then Leonard Howe. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Well, good evening, Commissioners. Thank you for your patience and time. I'm with Yellow Cab. I've only been in the business 38 years, but it's been all at Yellow Cab, so for what it's worth. Just a few points that have been talked about before. Yellow's motivation in changing was to be able to maintain the status quo of our customers, which are the people that lease the cabs from us. Number two, it's been in our lease for decades that we can collect the money at the end or at the beginning at our choosing, and at this point we've chosen to collect it at the beginning. Number three, several groups, people have kicked dirt on Yellow Cab, but I don't want you to forget that we were the first to have computer-aided dispatch. We set the standard for the quality of equipment. We are very driver-customer-oriented to our people that lease. We're putting in at fairly good expense a new cellular data terminals that are faster and more efficient. We're soon to go to web ordering. You can order a cab from the web and see where the cab is and how long it will be there. Lastly, the new business plan, if it reaches fruition, offers flexibility. A driver today pays $100 20 times a day, 20 times a month. Instead, he'll just be able to pay $2,000 over the month and have some flexibility in his payment. So it's not all doom and gloom. I urge you to table this item until you can have a thorough review of who's on first, what's on second, and I don't know who's on third. Thank you. Leonard Howe and then Edwin Santiago. Are you still? Two still here. May have left. Bill Mouncey and Jim Kennedy. Hi there. My name is Bill Mouncey, 17-year cab driver in San Francisco. I've had a lot of experience with cab companies since I've been driving a cab. And, you know, if every employer in America had it as good as the cab companies have, where you have no disability, no health insurance, no benefits whatsoever, none, and now you have to pay to work, which to me is incredible. Why would anybody, can you think of any other employer in America that charges you to work? None. So why are we even discussing this? It's totally irrelevant. You should only pay when you finish the job because that's when you make the money when you're on the job. Thank you. Jim Kennedy and then Tariq Mahmoud. Hello, my name is Jim Kennedy. I didn't really come here for this. I came for another item, but listening to this, I've been driving in San Francisco over 25 years, 17 of them with yellow and then eight, nine years with American. And I'd like to compliment the Taxi Commission office for putting these items on the web to support documents. And from what I read, you know, it's the city's fault. It's the Taxi Commission's fault. It's everybody's fault. You open a can of worms. I wish I was an employee 25 years ago. 
Now I, I think otherwise. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, less, lessee drives aren't paying income tax. They aren't paying FICA. You know, add that up. And if they go to employees, you know, the companies will have to start taking out payroll taxes and FICA and all that. They'll have to pay the gas on the cab and, uh, cost, you know, split 55, 45, whatever. And, uh, this, 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 uh, after reading, I don't know that lady's the title, but reading the, uh, what I read on the, on the Tax Commission website, uh, you could be considered an employee to require way bills. I look at that and I say, well, wait a minute, that's not the employee's requirement. The city requires that we have way bills, not the company. You know, so a lot of these things are, you know, in the gray area. Uh, the city, this is, this is the most over-regulated business in the world, and now you're trying to regulate it even more. Why don't you sit back and let the market bear it? You know, these guys want to be employees, pay the taxes, pay FICA, copy paper to gas. Thank you. Tariq Mahmoud. And then John Hahn. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmoud, the driver from Yellow Cab. First of all, I would like to say I regret what the attitude adopted by Tom and Eto by putting all this in such a nonsense fashion. He did the same thing with the health care, and he made a report which was rubbish report. I will present you next time all the errors, the mistakes, and the stuff he bundled in that. Again, he did that, and look, hundreds of people came to answer him, Onato, you are wrong. Onato, you are wrong. Then this lady came here. While we, people are talking here, she kept mumbling against the people. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, wait a minute. This is a very selective and very serious talk going on here. You are an attorney. You don't mumble behind uh, the people who are speaking on the podium. Number two, we are not employee. I pay my tax. I do my self-tax. When I take the cap from the company, they don't control my income. I can take the cab and put it at home and sleep. Then I go back and give the money to them. They say, you are renting my equipment and you are renting my license. We are not concerned what you go and do. Someday I make $20, someday I make nothing, someday I pay from my pocket my gate. So how I can be their employee? I am not their employee. And all these people came to tell you today, we are not employee and we will never be employee. We are independent contractor. We are not going to be part of UTW propaganda machine. Then next comes these leases. All these leases are paying prepay. Monthly leasing. 700 cabs out of 1,400 cabs are monthly leases. 700 cabs. You saw the power of the people. 700 cabs are monthly leases. So that's prepayment. Now the next question is, this way you are settling the issue? This is wrong. There should have been a different debate and different way. The time is short. I will debate on it as the times come. Thank you. Thank you, Tariq. John Hahn and then Mark Gruberg. Hi. I'm John Hahn. I'm with Driver at Yellow Cab. So, um, you know, earlier the question about the EDD and why is it that if it's a daily lease, it's an employee, and if it's an independent contractor over a period of 28 days, uh, I don't know. I spoke with a couple of EDD auditors because I wanted to find out for myself, and uh, they said that that policy is very much open to interpretation, but it could just as easily be considered that 
it's a minimum of 28 days. So that means if I was to pay that amount, that cab is mine for 28 days, not on a per shift basis, but mine. But despite that point, and you know that, that would definitely describe an independent contractor, but despite that, the EDD auditor said that if a company was to force that kind of a policy on a driver as a condition of driving a taxi, meaning you have to do this or you're going to have your contract terminated, that the EDD would consider an example of a company exercising control over a worker, and that would actually make the EDD think that the driver is being treated like an employee. So it would have a kind of a reverse effect that the cab company is trying to implement. I want to say that, you know, I've been at Yellow Cab for four years. I have no problems with management, but um, this policy is uh, problematic. And uh, I did go to an informational uh, meeting with uh, Mr. Gillespie today who gave a very, in fact, informative talk on this policy. The problem is nothing is in writing. And the reason why this is, hearing is being had tonight is because there's no written policy that anybody can refer to. And this is what us drivers at Yellow have to go on as far as what this policy is about with maybe a few flyers that have been posted on the wall. But this is what we're expected to sign. It doesn't reflect what I heard in the meeting tonight. But in addition, I just have one more thing that there's a 25 percent. Finish the sentence you're on. Okay. There's in the new policy, there's a requirement that 25 percent of the prepayment be held constant. That 25% has to be, 25% of my prepayment has to remain in Yellow Cab's Thank account, you. and that may actually, in fact, look like a deposit. Thank you. Excuse me. Mark Gruberg. Oh. I have a question. Yep. Could, we, could I see a copy of that? Could we have a copy of that? Yes. I haven't seen it. Thank you. Mark Gruberg and then Ron Fishman. Good evening, Commissioners. Um, Mark Ruberg. This is a fire burning at Yellow Cab that has to be put out. It has to be quenched. Uh, all of this background, it's, it's, I hope it's eye-opening to you. It's stuff that many of us have known and understood for many years, and you yourself actually know and understand it because you could not be proceeding with the workers' compensation uh, provisions and policies that, that you yourself have established if not for the fact that drivers are considered to be employees for these specific purposes. So, you know, Yellow is, is simply being dishonest with its drivers about this. Uh, it, it's, its flyer says, uh, in order for all gates and gas drivers to maintain their status as self-employed persons, you will be required to prepay. They know better than that. They were the defendants in the Tracy case. In the, in the, they, they brought the yellow cab case that they lost. Uh, this is about stripping drivers of rights that they now have. It's about nothing else. And you must act. You hear yellow cab coming in here and saying, table this. Don't be so quick to make decisions, but are they tabling their new, their new arrangement? Are they tabling the prepayments? Are they tabling the deposits? Because that's what this is. They're not say saying they're tabling anything. They want you to table it. They take you for fools? What, what is going on there at, 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 at Yellow Cab? They, they, they're being dishonest not only with their drivers, they're being dishonest with you. They came forward last year 
with a very, very similar plan and gave three completely different excuses for it. They said that they hadn't gotten a gate increase in years. Well, now they have the gate increase. They say they were subject to a lawsuit. Well, the Board of Supervisors has said that their, their gate overcharges were legal, and they said that they might be responsible for health care, and the Board of Supervisors has taken that off the table. Thank they you. are being dishonest. Ron Fishman, and then Kajendra. Good evening, uh, members of the Taxi Commission. My name is Ron Fishman. As you probably know, I'm a medallion holder. I've been driving 28 years. When I started, they, they had the uh, lease agreement, and all the companies are still using the lease agreement. It's my belief that if the lease agreement was illegal, the companies would be sued and would be subject to monetary damages. Um, I'm assuming that... Uh, Yellow Cab is changing their policy on prepayments because they don't want to have to go to court with the EDD or whoever's, uh, you know, the agency involved. You know, apparently the opinion on whether the taxi drivers and employer and independent contractor changes with the people that run these bureaucracies. Um, if cab drivers in San Francisco were determined by some court of law to be uh, employees, uh, this would be bad for drivers because uh, they would end up paying for it. The companies would come to the taxi commission saying our costs are higher, we need a gate increase, and they would be correct, their costs would be higher. Um, when I started driving a cab years ago, I remember when I was at DeSoto Cab, they gave us a choice. You want to be an employee, pay a 5 or $10 higher gate, and you're an employee. So no one ever chose that. Um, What I'm trying to say is uh, the situation, you know, cab drivers like to be independent contractors. I myself have always preferred that. And uh, to change it really doesn't benefit anyone. Um, it will reduce driver incomes. It will reduce their freedom. It will increase company costs, the, the payroll costs, the accounting nightmare of determining how much a driver earns. And, oh, yeah, I just get a headache thinking about it. Thank you. Kajendra, are you still here? Okay. Good evening, Commissioners. UDW is objecting prepay. Just use the microphone. UDW is objecting prepay system of the yellow cab. And UDW says we are employees. In reality, we are not employees. We are not employees. We are independent contractors because we have contract with the company as a independent contractors. If we are employees, we have to cut out our 50% income. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want to be independent contractors. So. As a independent contractors, we have to pay prepay shift as a 20-day prepay scheme. At the bottom line is, we don't want to be employees. We don't want to be independent contractors. Thank you. 
Thank you. Sam Aryan, and then Charles Rathbone. Uh, and any of you have been so lucky living all your life in America, you haven't seen places, uh, uh, third world countries. You know, while other countries like Soviet unions and so forth, they changed their model to American type. You know, I don't understand why over-regulate something and, and try to model it uh, based on a Soviet Union. Uh, see, uh, the companies must make profit to stay on business and to provide better service. No question about it. Drivers must be able to have the freedom if they want to be employee, if they want to be independent contractor. What is wrong with that? Why everything has to be pushed into some kind of maze that you can only turn right or left. You know, if we don't have the freedom, we would, would not have the productivity that Americans have. That's all I'm asking. Let people have the freedom. Let the companies have the freedom to expand, to have yellow cab. Who, are the, who owns it? The shareholders are drivers. Do you know? So the drivers are making money. They are providing better service. There are people that want to be employees. They want to have workmen come. They want to have this or that. Let them have it. Don't over-regulate. Let people have the freedom and have the productivity that the Americans deserve. Thank you. Charles Rathbone and Carl McMurdo. Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone. Uh, the, the focus this evening is 100% on the interests of drivers and uh, cab companies. However, there's also an important uh, public service dimension to this whole discussion. Uh, our current system was born in the late 1970s uh, following a massive service interruption that uh, took most cabs off the street for a year. That event was devastating to the hotel industry, and it was especially harmful to the restaurant industry. Uh, the current gates and gas system with independent contractors came into play after that. Uh, that system of gates and gas has a pluses and minuses that are well known. But one of its most remarkable features is that service interruptions are virtually unheard of. Uh, in fact, for 30 years now, there has not been a single day of service interruptions in the taxi industry. So the uh, public interest, I believe, requires a long, hard look uh, before the city uh, takes any steps that uh, undermines our system of independent contractor drivers. Thank you. Carl McMurdo and then Keith Raskin. Hi. Um, <clears throat> I, th I found the speaker tonight to be very overbearing and highly biased, and I think the bias was was towards extracting revenue from the taxi industry for the state of California, and it was jokingly referred to as the $8 million question. Maybe that's the figure the state of California has in mind. I don't know. I do want to talk back to the year 1976. The second company I worked for was Old Yellow, and we were employees, and the Teamster Union representatives, we paid dues, we got paychecks, we turned money in. And just in general, speaking about the fundamental right of any employer, that 
employer has a right to closely supervise the work activities of the employees. The nature of the beast in the taxi industry is such that it's impossible to do that. UPS and FedEx can do it because people are delivering packages. Obviously, in an office environment, it can happen. But it turned out in the cab industry in San Francisco, it was impossible to make the drivers work hard. And many of the drivers were cheating. It was called high flagging. They would cut deals with their customers. So the industry can't survive. And it's clear that things are more efficient in the independent contractor arrangement. And that's what the vast majority of the drivers want. I do want to speak to the prepayment. I heard Jim Gillespie say, and I like Mr. Hahn's comments too, Jim Gillespie said there were some meetings going on with EDD and DIR. So if, in fact, there is some concern that as a guideline you need some prepayment, I don't see that there couldn't be a compromise and back it down to 14 days or even seven days if somehow there's a nominal requirement to make it appear that someone's an independent contractor. But I don't see where it should have to be 28 days, and maybe that's a possible solution to this. Thank you. Thank you. Keith Raskin and Stephen Reimers. Keith Raskin representing ITA, Independent Taxi Association. It is our feeling that the prepay could actually have some benefits to it. And one benefit would be that if it was determined to be a deposit, then the drivers could have money in the bank, so to speak, with a return, a deposit return interest on it, especially if there's a minimum of a 25% that has to roll over. In this industry, for a driver to have anything in the bank that could roll over more than a month-to-month would be a plus. The other thing is that it would eliminate or could possibly eliminate what the drivers have to pay in terms of gratuities towards the dispatchers and all that flow of cash that's running from the driver through the window that there's no accountability for. And so that's the benefits that I would see and the reason why I would be supporting it that these changes, other benefits for the drivers would occur. Thank you. Stephen Reimers and Emil Lawrence. Stephen Reimers with Yellow Cab. Jim spoke to it very clearly. We pretty much know what we're doing. We've been doing it for a long time. We know that about 80% of our drivers live hand-to-mouth. We know that they do not have this money. It took weeks of us talking about it. It was the last thing in the world we wanted to do. The issue of whether a person is an independent contractor or not gets clouded because we have a public vehicle that is being managed and able to operate with city property. The enterprise that was referred to by the state attorney is really the city and health of the city. The enterprise is the ability of people to be able to get in and pay what's on the meter. Directions, the only directions I really take are from the passengers. Basically, an easier way to understand this is, and it doesn't matter to us, and it hasn't for years, whether we get our money 
at four o'clock in the afternoon or whether we get it at two o'clock in the morning at the end of the month it makes no difference everything is paid out the monies are all done and bills are paid as far as legal decisions we have lived by the letter of each and every decision that's ever come for or against us and we will continue to do the same if we are found if the city and the state get together and outline and give a more understanding and beneficial explanation of how we operate we'll also do that whether we're able to and what we do is manage medallions for the city and manage medallions for the people who own the city property we allow the we are selling the opportunity for ninety some dollars on the average a day to go out and make over two hundred and fifty dollars a day and we have computer readouts that can show each and every amount of money and we will continue to live by the letter of law if we are unable to manage medallions in December because people don't wish to pay thirty four which will amount to almost seventy five dollars a shift for the health and welfare benefits then we will stop managing medallions thank you Stephen Neil Lawrence then Bud Hazelcorn Mr. Gillespie commissioners I just want to make a quick comment on a couple of points related to this prepaid lease situation one is that put everything aside if that yellow goes bankrupt and we've seen care companies go bankrupt the money just folds right into yellow and their so called owners bond holders we've seen that in the past I believe with town that went bankrupt twice and took deposits twice from drivers and we've seen that also with prepaid cards with various department stores that went bankrupt and the cards were no good that's an issue that has not been addressed secondly we've come a long way where we see the equipment leasing companies now particularly the biggest in the business control the business and part of the prepaid lease thing is that what they are doing is prepaying for days that they will not work also the so called back eight situation has never been rectified or clarified in the city and county of San Francisco and I believe it's the only city and county that has that problem where you pay for days that you don't work or you don't have a job that's the way it works it works that way at Yellow and all the other firms they all know back eight is part of the system in other words they get paid for a car or a medallion that doesn't go out or it may go out a second time and get a second payment but you still make the first payment for a lot of firms that's an issue not addressed on a prepayment because there is no grievance procedure at Yellow and maybe at a lot of other firms you don't have a right to talk about the day you didn't show up you just pay for it last is not least is that if you look at all of this that Yellow obviously is under pressure from their medallion holders on the board and the bigger the group of medallion holders the more pressure they put on them to come up with a higher profit margin or higher cash flow whatever the situation is they could make money at half the lease if they didn't have to pay the medallion holders and I say that also based on that I'm up for a medallion right now the medallion holders situation creates a big problem in this city thank you Bud Hazelcorn and then Dave Schneider Bud Hazelcorn chairman of the United Taxi Cab Workers Ms. Breslin suggests that drivers are independent contractors because they control their income dependent upon their aggressiveness in fact aggressiveness is only a partial factor in 
whether a driver will make any money on any given day. Cab drivers are constrained by the structure of the industry for making, in fact, cab drivers are constrained by the structure of the industry for making a viable living. Nearly the only people at this point making a viable, manageable living commensurate with the cost of living in this city and the Bay Area are those who have a second or third income source. I'm talking about people who hold medallions, have working spouses, pay minimal rent because they've lived here a long time, or work Friday and Saturday nights, the best shifts. The fact is that this so-called freedom that we have as independent contractors is only a freedom to starve. Many, many, many drivers are making less than $100 a day. That is not just, I mean, you'll hear all kinds of people come up and claim, oh, I'm making $400 a day, where's Michael? I'm making $400 every time I go out. That's a lie. Not on the day shift, and you're not going to get it unless, you know, he's got three medallions. So what we are actually seeing is a movement to make employees independent contractors. It's, in effect, an attempt to alter the basic relationship of workers in this country and around the world, and that is to, instead of bringing your services to market and being paid for those and enjoying certain rights and benefits, that you have to pay for your job. You have to pay to work. That is absurd, and it's barbaric, and it undoes 100 years, 150 years of progress in this country. Thank you. Dave Schneider and then Rua Grafos. Hey, good evening, commissioners. Good evening, drivers. Let me mention once again that the second case that counsel referred to tonight, the Hathaway case, was not merely, excuse me, the Edwinson case. It's Edwards Yellow Cab versus Workers' Compensation Commission. I forget the site. This was not merely an academic case for me, although I have an academic background. I've also been a driver for probably longer than many people in this room are old in San Francisco. I picked up Richard Edwinson in my cab at 16th and Petrero, and I looked at him and I said, good God, man, what had happened to you? You're on crutches. And he said, I was standing in a hotel line at the Hilton Hotel, and my legs got crushed between two yellow cabs, and yellow cab wouldn't pay him workers' comp. It went up to the Court of Appeals. It ruled that for purposes of workers' compensation, we are employees. It further indicated in that language where they quoted Borrello, it indicated that the illusion of freedom for drivers just to do whatever they want, do whatever they want, the illusion of freedom was just that, an illusion, because of the driver's need to eat. When we were Teamsters, we had nearly 100% medical, 80% dental. They couldn't fire you unless you had three chargeable accidents in a year's time. What yellow cab is doing is exploiting the sharecropper taxi labor in San Francisco. And so I just wanted you to know that. And you have tonight a mandate from the Board of Supervisors to vote tonight on what they presented to you. You have to decide tonight on whether you're going to allow them to exploit this so-called long-term, this security deposit. So good luck. Thank you. And then Blake Derby. 
that's a hard act to follow. <laughs> and I won't even make it an effort to be that eloquent. My name is Rue Grafis, and I've been a cab driver and in this industry since 1973. As several other drivers have mentioned, at that point we were all considered to be employees. But at that time, only one cab company split the meter. Everybody else paid gates and gas. We had health care, we had pensions, we had dental, optical, and the company still managed to make a very decent profit. Would that we could go back to having those benefits again. If the companies had to pay a ga gas, I love that. That was wonderful. You'd see the companies go to hybrids like Green Cab has in a heartbeat. And my last point is, I was at an unemployment insurance hearing for a driver just yesterday. The company was appealing that the driver was uh, an employee and eligible for workers for for unemployment benefits. There were several staff people there from unemployment from EDD. One of them had come down from Sacramento. He was a lawyer, and he said, "You know, I'm really surprised that the cab company even argued this. They pretty much given this one up." They know you all are employees now. They would certainly be surprised to hear this tonight, wouldn't they? Blake Derby and Thomas George Williams. Thank you. Good to see everybody again. Um, I'll pause a minute to remember Lindsay Welcome. And now I'd like to request that we, we have a full commission here and that you discipline Min Pack and she's never here when I come here. We deserve a full commission. Um, if, it, if the money wasn't here for the drivers, no one would be driving. The vast majority want to be independent contractors. Why do you want another level of scrutiny? Why do you want guys with binoculars to see if you're not high flagging? Why, why do you want this? Um, uh, it's an elaborate ruse by the city to stick their greedy fingers into another pie, be control freaking power trippers, overregulate. I've heard that phrase. It's true. What's the problem? Something works well enough. And it's still a process, and I appreciate you that you're doing what you can to do it. You mentioned couriers. Couriers, or you did. Couriers are not cab drivers, they're told what packages to go deliver. We, we, we go for ourselves. We, you work as hard as you can. Uh, you're responsible to A-card holders. We're 1,500 medallion holders that are A-card holders, and we represent more than the combined total in experience of the rest. Combined total of the rest, we represent more experience. Um, peers, you're taking on legislative powers. Now, the city owns the medallions. You made that point. Well, why don't you own the liability? That's why we make more money than the typical driver. That's why we spent 20, 30 years in this business. Another man says he, it's like paying to work. Well, you pay to live in a house, pay to drive a car, you pay to drink water and eat food, you pay to get married, you pay through the nose to get divorced, and you pay for education. Now, where's the variance? 
MTA wants to milk taxis so Muni can pay for people going in the back door. Thank you. Thomas George Williams and Mary McGuire. We drive like Eskimos and then go out to the ice flows. Well, the ice is melting. Thomas George Williams, uh, we have a real problem here. The state says we are employees. In many regards, we are. The federal government treats us as independent contractors. We are not really independent. And the city doesn't know what to do. Canada came up with dependent contractors. Something to look into, but the city can't do that. The feds need to do that. What San Francisco needs to solve is this uneven playing field that's created by Yellow Cap by charging deposits now. If Yellow gets through with it, they have a financial head start of millions of dollars. So the city needs to stop in and stop them doing it. The whole issue if we are independent contractors or employees will be fought out in state and federal level, not here. But you have a city to create a plain play field for all companies and drivers. That's not me. <laughs> so I encourage you to come up with a rule or legislation today to stop Yellow Cab from charging deposits, or all companies, to matter of fact. National charging deposits, DeSoto charging deposits, Green Cap not, many other companies not, and that's not fair. And if you look at Yellow Caps, they try it every two years. I remember two years ago they tried it, and they pocket like half a million by 300 drivers signing up, then they back off and come back and come back off. You have to come up with a rule regarding that. Thank you. Thomas, uh, do you drive at your green cab? Yes. Are you treated as an employee or an independent contractor? Uh, gate and gas, uh, the same mix as in every company. We have workers' compensation, unemployment benefits, but nothing else. Green cab is in the same market as every They're other company. I'm not sure if you answered my Are you being treated at green cab as an employee or as an independent contractor? Depending regarding what issue, it's different, as in every other company. We pay workers' comp. Well, for, for example, if you come back to turn in your, your cab at the end of the evening and you haven't made enough to make the gate, do they pay you for coming there as an employee would get minimum wage, or no, do you still no. pay the gate? I pay the okay. gate, yeah, same thing. And as, do, you, do they deduct taxes for you? They don't. Okay. So you're being treated as an independent contractor at Green Cap. Uh, regarding Except for the purposes of workers. Regarding gate paying, yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's, that's the same all, as at Yellow, yeah. That's all I wanted to clear. So. Mike Spain and then John Raines. Oh, I'm sorry, Mary, I called you. Yeah, I did call you. Sorry. Good timing, as I expected. Uh, Mark knows what's good for everybody else, but it doesn't seem like Green Cap's giving a health plan. Uh, they're not employees, but uh, he knows what's good for everybody else. It doesn't matter what the people want. Don't call you the broccoli boys for nothing. It's what you feel is best for everybody else. Um, Commissioner Oneto, uh, you know, you put this on the agenda. And it regarded long-term leases. And I feel that this is a sunshine violation. You should not have sent those people home. You have misled those people. They packed the room. They packed the room, and you misled them and sent them home. 
what she's saying will lure it will lead to the end of the long term lease this is not just yellow cab this is not just yellow cab this is the whole industry and so the long term lease will disappear if this lady gets what she wants and what does so what does she want i'm just picturing how did this come about and i keep reading about one agency borrowing from another kind of like uh uh Malcolm Heineke wants to take our money from our self-sustaining cab industry and uh you know put it into Muni uh now the states in the red so they see a cash cow in the California taxi business i mean we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of back payroll taxes possibly no um so i i think maybe uh the governor could stop taking a plane home every night he takes a plane home every night $10,000 a day to see Maria and comes back why doesn't he stop doing that why can't he live in Sacramento i don't care if he doesn't get a, a salary we are not a cash cow uh somebody talked about the guy with the binoculars text in the old days you talked to an old timer and uh they do you want that he used to sit up on the hill at candlestick with binoculars and report anybody who dead headed to the airport So and if somebody had done their research you would know that in the 90s the drivers there was a law passed by the board of supervisors and the drivers have had a choice to be an employee or independent contractor all those years. Thank you. So John, it is law actually now. Mike Spain and then John Rains. Those are the last two cards I have. Uh I'm sure Yellow instituted their policies because they felt it was necessary. Usually Yellow uh all, oftentimes acts because uh, or their actions are based upon the fact that they have so, uh usually some kind of force against them uh and they feel it's necessary to act in a particular way to protect their business. Uh, but I would like to get uh, most of my ar uh, arguments will be about the independent contractor status. As anyone knows who lives in San Francisco, you can earn about $12 an hour shuttling people around. You can work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. That's they pay about $12 to $12.50 an hour. You're an employee. You get all the employee benefits of working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. You can work for the state of California, the uh, medical center moving hundreds of nurses and doctors and students from all these campuses that the University of California Medical Center controls. There must be 50 vans that work for that. You can work for the Academy of Art in their black of vans running around you'll get paid by the hour you'll get all the benefits you want now why would cab drivers who probably know more about driving in San Francisco and and how difficult that job is why would cab drivers not opt for those jobs why wouldn't they even work for Muni which starts at about 20 20 some dollars an hour maximum for Muni after 6 uh, or 8 months is i think about 25 an hour and that's as far as you ever get that's the glass ceiling at muni why don't dr cab drivers opt for those kind of jobs because they like the freedom they have of taking a, a, a taxi cab out for 10 hours and being able to make as much money as they can in those 10 hours and and they love this independent contractor status they're the ones that that most prefer this status because many of them actually drove some of them drove for old yellow back in the old days where they had to turn in all of the money that they got on their meter they got back 45 or 50% after taxes after this after that they didn't make very much money many of those drivers ended up gravitating towards the companies at that time that were gates and gas thank, thank you very you. much anyone else yeah commissioner bolling please if there's anyone else who wants to speak after jane just come on up and we'll let you speak and 
but be prepared to speak when she's done. I understand this item is on the agenda because of the urgency of the April of the August 15th deadline. I heard Mr. Gillespie, Jim Gillespie, say that their deadline has been pushed back to December. So that gives you four months more time to consider this. No? Yeah. If you don't mind. Yeah. I understand that one deadline was pushed back to December, but the prepaying of the gas and gates per day is going to be implemented August 15th, and I'm hoping that Yellow may reconsider that deadline date, but I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Well, then you and Yellow will have to talk about that. Maybe you want to do that before you take a vote. I also feel that although we have more clarity, that these issues are not entirely clear to us, and I hope in some way that there can be an accommodation so that before any decision is made, it can be made with the full commission having the full facts. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please just come on up. Good evening, Commissioner. As far as I understand, my fellow drivers' feelings, first of all, all the drivers, they like to be independent, and they like to work as an independent contractor. According to the rules of ADD, if drivers are paid for 28 shifts, they will not be considered as an employee. So I have a feeling that drivers would like to be independent contractors because some of the drivers work as part-time drivers and some whole-time drivers, but other jobs don't allow them to have another job, second job. So because of these kind of technicalities, they like to be independent. The rest of the things can be, I think, can be discussed and can be decided between the companies and the board. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is John Raines, and I drive for Yellow Cab. I've been a cab driver for a little over 15 years now, and as long as I've been a cab driver, it's always worked this way. We always take the cab out, we come in, and we pay for the shift at the end of the shift. We've always been considered either employees or independent contractors, depending on who was talking about the issue, either by the state or by the cab companies, the taxi industry and the city and county of San Francisco, and it's all been tossed around for years. That, to me, is, I mean, that's a major issue there in and of itself, yes, but there's also this other point that was brought up by the, or brought before the Board of Supervisors, and that was the legality of Yellow Cab being able to charge this deposit against its drivers. And the Tracy Commission, as far as I know, disallowed that completely. And for some reason, Yellow Cab is thumbing their nose at the courts and saying, to hell with you, we're going to charge it anyway. And it was decided by the Board of Supervisors that they were opposed to it and urging Yellow Cab not to do it, and then they passed the buck on to you, saying, we urge you to deliver the same kind of decision, but what's really puzzling me is why is there a need for discussion if it's a legal issue? If they 
if it is illegal for Yellow Cab to do this, why are they being allowed to do it? And why isn't a decision or a court injunction being filed to stop this from happening? If it's illegal, it's illegal. They don't have the right to do it. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commission. Commissioners. David Miller. I'm a single shift driver at Yellow. And for myself, I can't believe that Yellow does not understand that the prepayment system will have exactly the opposite effect that they hope it will have. Do they seriously think that EDD will look at a prepayment system in which drivers are forced to accept it under penalty of termination and somehow conclude, wow, what evidence of independence? Or will they look and say, wow, this is evidence of abject servitude? I tend to think the latter. You know, and Yellow has served me very well for the years that I've driven there, both the employees and the management. And I suggest for their benefit that you ask strongly tonight, either to get them to put this prepayment scheme off or to vote clearly that they should not implement it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? If there's anyone else who wants to speak rather than coming from the back of the room and having us wait for him to walk to the front, can you come up and line up now? Sorry, Mr. Gillespie, Mr. President, driver representative for nine years on this commission that is a lame duck. I was in the back debating whether I should come up here or not. I have been working for Yellow Cab for 20 years, and now I'm an owner. But, you know, I would ask, I would like Yellow Cab to reflect upon driver morale. I know they don't care about it, but I think they should. I would ask Yellow Cab, what about the new driver? How do they expect to employ a brand new driver that doesn't have the assurance or the confidence that he can make a living? Blind, in the blind, mind you, as a rookie. There's quite a difference after driving one year, what you can learn. I actually think that every person should be a college requirement to drive for three months as a cab driver as a college requirement for life. I would ask the Yellow Cab, why are they doing this? We just had an increase in the gate because of, quote, unquote, to maintain status quo because they were in dire need, evidently, of losing their status. We just added more cabs, which is an increase for companies' income. And, well, the health, I forgot about that health benefit thing that we, you know. And when gas goes up, by the way, the companies don't pay a dime, not a dime for an extra expense. So, and when an employee, let's just say, quits, that's, it's going to be considered a deposit at that point, right? Because I know if you leave your house, you have a deposit and get it back with interest. In fact, you get it back a yearly interest, I believe. 
So um, at what point is there interest? Uh, just a few questions. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Um, Liz Bradley, 11 years, yellow cab. I still love my job, guys. I really don't want to see this industry go out the back door because uh, I got a few bucks saved up to have an operation on my arm, which is going to be about $90,000. I have no health care. All right, if I'm an employee, where's the health care? $90,000 to get my broken arm fixed, okay? Now, Yellow Cab wants 2000 of that money. I am very resentful towards them. I have not missed a day. I've rarely ever paid a back gate. And when I go to work, I work so hard that I have carpal tunnel in four different places. But by God, you know, give us a break. We're paying close to $5 for gas. I'm losing 5 to 700 a month in gas. My husband drives. He's losing 5 to 700 a month in gas. You guys were going to make a decision about getting us a surcharge. LA's got it, 5 bucks to get in. Okay? Washington $2.50 surcharge for the gas. But you leave us paying that $1,600 a month out of our pockets when we weren't making more than $22,000 a year. After my taxes, I make about $22,000. Do you know how much money that is a month? And now I'm paying $1,600 to drive these people around? It's getting old. You guys need to get to the point. Especially you, Paul. And, and I'm going to, one last parting thing. Where are all these people that are supposed to be on the Taxicab Commission? And you put it off uh, last meeting because you didn't have enough people to vote on anything. You guys move so slow. We need help. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak? Okay, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Yeah, ask a question of uh, Jim Gillespie. Mm -hmm. Jim? Yes. Jim, I know um, you had said earlier that uh, Yellow has pushed back the, the date for the uh, prepayment for the long-term leases, but that um, the individual gas and gate will be implemented August 15th. Is that correct? I just want to make sure I'm understanding. No. Uh, individual gate, gas and gate drivers that we're trying to get everybody to a monthly lease, we're giving everybody until December to get their money together to so they can go to the monthly lease. In between now and then, starting August 15th, on a daily basis while they're putting up their, their prepayment, uh, we will switch, you know, daily gate and gas that's being paid daily. We'll have to be paid the beginning of the shift rather than the end of the shift, which has always been in the contract. The contract's always read to be paid at the beginning or the end of the shift, and it's always been at the end until now. And starting August 15th, it'll be at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I'm in a little dilemma here that I need, I'm, I'm asking for your help with. And that is, there, there is a lot of conflicting information out here, and is there any possible way that Yellow would consider postponing implementing the daily gas and gate so that we can have a little more time to sort this out and not, ha not vote on it this evening? Uh, I, I couldn't just answer you right this minute. What I certainly could do is, uh, you know, talk to the 
uh, you know, higher ups within the company to see if uh, if they want to make that type of, uh, of decision, and then certainly get back to you. And I sure I sure I get back to you within a day and, and let you know. I, I just couldn't answer you here on the spot. The problem is, though, I, I think people want to vote on this, and I and I understand you can't speak for for everyone else. So I'm not sure whether they would want to propose something pending a delay of uh, the implementation or um, even have an emergency meeting when we get a, a decision. I'm just I'm trying to fill out the temperament here, and uh, a delay on the implementation would help a lot. We haven't even heard from the EDD yet. Um, I, I'm a business person, and I... I do understand that there are certain business uh, decisions that are made that I'm not privy to. I'm just wondering if a, um, a few weeks delay or even a month delay would impact uh, the business so adversely that it couldn't be done. You know, uh, you know all I could say is I could, I could ask. I can't, yeah. Yeah, I can't make that decision. All right. I hate to put you on the spot, but that's what's on my mind right now. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Any other commissioners want to comment? Commissioner I'm, I'm still struggle, struggling to kind of catch up here on this whole industry. But, for example, someone mentioned of the, pre, of the prepayment leases that there were back dates. So, in other words, they, they would have to pay even if they didn't drive. Was that, is that true? That's is the that case true? now. Absolutely. That's the case now. That's the case now. If they don't, let's put it this way. If at a larger company like Yellow Cab, if you're scheduled to work, say, Monday through Friday, and you don't come in on Monday night or Tuesday night for whatever reason, and they don't fill the shifts for that night, you can be charged for not filling your, for your shift nighting. Oh, okay. Now, if they fill all the shifts, chances are you won't be. But that is a possibility for those occasions when the shifts don't fill. And how, what, like what percentage of drivers do you think industry-wide are now? Does anyone know on long-term leases? That's a good question. It might be as much as half. It might be slightly less than that. So those are prepayments. And, again, if we were to pass a law tonight saying prepayments are illegal, well, you'd immediately be throwing hundreds of people into turmoil. So this is what we have to think about when what we're going to do here. I think there's a lot of people who are taking very – drastic and superficial actions without really understanding the issue. Unfortunately, it's all coming down to us now, and I'm not going to take any action until I understand what's going on. And to make us, for us to say tonight, all prepayments are illegal or, you know, any long-term leases are illegal, that would just absolutely throw this industry into turmoil. So, you know, what we heard tonight from the state is I'm going to be frank. It's contrary to the practice of what's happening in the taxi industry in California. So if the state believes something, I feel like there's almost kind of a passive-aggressive thing going on here now where they'll publish guidelines or, they'll, or there'll be things out there and saying that you must do it this way, and then, but then they'll say, well, it's not really a law. It's only a guideline. And so companies and people in the real world are faced with what do we do if we're you know, in fear of the very existence of our company, if we're going to be hit with back taxes, someone is going to determine on a whim that you're all employees. Now, I know it's not a whim, but it's certainly looking very unorganized here. Like there's 
20 different people who have 20 different opinions and real people in the real world are having to make decisions about how they conduct their business affairs. And that has put us in a very difficult position. There's no more public comment. I'm sorry, those of you who are, have your hand up or want to stand up. So, like I said before, I know a lot more now than I be, knew at the, be, the start of tonight because this was something that we've been working on for two weeks to try to get a grasp of what's happening on this issue. I don't appreciate what the Board of Supervisors did. I've got to just say that right now. The way they threw this in our lap without any hearings at all and just sort of said, you know, don't, you know, urging us to do something without giving any thought to it themselves. And without understanding, I think, really how complex this issue and how many people are involved and how many different ways of doing this job there are in the world. And, you know, for us to take a stand and take a position and say that way is going to be illegal and this way is going to be the only way you'll be able to do it, when that might even be in contradiction with what the state is telling us or the federal government. I mean, I send my taxes off every year and I pay my self-employment tax and nobody has ever told me that's illegal. They told me that that's the way you should do it because you're an independent contractor. And now the state is coming and saying, well, no, you're really an employee. And then the city is saying, well, you, we want you to pass a law making prepayments illegal. I mean, there's a lot of buffeting pressure that's coming down on this taxi commission, and I don't really appreciate it. I don't appreciate the fact that people are going off in their own direction doing things and not taking the time to collaborate and speak with other people about what they're doing. And okay. I'm not going to take any more of that kind of talk from the audience. So that public comment period, which we listened to very patiently for almost three hours, is over. If I, if I may add to it, because I think your sentiments, um, I, I'm not going to speak for the rest of them, but as I said before, there's a lot of conflicting information. I also think in business, everybody has to bring certain tools of the trade to start their work day or their shift. Uh, charging for a vehicle is not charging to work. It's charging for a tool of the trade. You can't work without the vehicle. I used to have to put together a bank to be able to work. I used to have to buy certain clothing that wasn't considered a uniform, but had to put that money up front to work. Um, I'm asking for Yellow to strongly consider um, delaying the prepay of the shift because, as I heard from several people, uh, timing's just terrible. Timing is terrible. Do I think that it is illegal? That's not for me to decide. I heard many people say it's for the courts to decide, and I think it is for the courts to decide. And I don't have enough information in front of me to say that's an illegal practice. I am just asking that Yellow strongly consider delaying uh, implementing this practice at this point. Um, I think there is a certain stability to be gained for the general public service to have uh, knowledge that people are going to be signed up to drive through a month. In fact, um, the practice of charging a driver that leaves a, a vehicle empty, that it can't be filled for the night, that, that's kind of a safeguard to say don't do it again because we need that vehicle out there on the road. So I, I, I'm not prepared to make a leap now to, uh, to change the whole industry. Do we want to say now 
No one's filled out an I-9. So we are now going to require employment verification forms of all of our drivers. And again, with the payroll taxes, what sort of penalties would be incurred there? As you said, Paul, there's a whole catalyst of things. And the way this resolution is written, it pulls in a lot of things. We're not just looking at one small area or another small area. We'd have to change it about the long-term leases. We'd have to change a number of things in this resolution as it was presented to us this evening. So I'm not prepared to vote on it. But again, I will urge, as the supervisors urged us to act, I will urge Yellow Cab to please consider delaying the requirement of the prepays. And I think if I could just add to that, I would encourage not just Yellow Cab, but the entire taxi industry and the state and the city and everybody who has any role in this to come together rather than everyone going off and doing their own thing and then someone else reacting to that. That's not the way that this should proceed. And I know that there are discussions where people are trying to get together in the same room to try to work this out. And so, you know, I hope that happens sooner rather than later because I myself am in the category of drivers who don't really want to pony up this money and take it out of an interest-bearing account and give it to the cab company. I just don't like that idea. Most drivers don't like that idea. And it's really caused a lot of anxiety among people. And I frankly don't believe that Yellow Cab would be doing it and taking on the headache if someone wasn't publishing a guideline or something somewhere that's telling them that that's what they have to do in order to maintain the status quo that's been in effect for almost 30 years now. So, Commissioner Onetto, is there anything you'd like to add? This is really your... I want to speak to all of this. I don't understand how you can say that it's us doing it when we're reacting to what Yellow Cab's change of business is putting us in. You know, they gave us a time frame. They gave us a deadline without giving us any information. Just, we want prepayment. Well, sure, I'm glad the Board of Supervisors did what they did. You know, they're trying to protect low-income working people. You know, it's... The way this whole thing, I think, should have gone down is that Yellow said, we have this situation. We need to implement this. Let's talk. No, they didn't ask us. They didn't ask any... I don't know who they asked. They just implemented it. And I don't think this gets them out of the issue that they're in. I think this does not change the employment status of the cab drivers. So why throw everybody's life in a turmoil when this isn't even going to fix their problem? I don't get that. You know, why do that? Why not wait until you find out if this, in effect, might get them out and then implement it, not the other way around, mess with 2,000 people, and then, oh, well, I guess it didn't work. That's not the way to do business. You know, I think we do have to do... You know, they gave us the deadline. I didn't say that they had to implement this on August 15th. They're telling us they're going to do it. So I think that's what we... Well, that's what the Board of Supervisors reacted to, that Supervisor Daley brought before 
the Board of Supervisors, and they voted 11-0 to urge us to keep them from charging these drivers prepayment. Why don't they find out, Yellow Cab find out, if this, in effect, does get them out of the situation they're in? And if it doesn't, then why do it? If I may just ask something. I would like to ask Supervisor Daley, since he is the author, even though it was passed unanimously, but why this is a resolution urging. If it is illegal, why didn't they prohibit it, and why are they asking, they're urging us to prohibit it, which puts us in, as I say to Paul, it puts us in a position because it belongs in the courts. Is it illegal? Then I would say no. Prepayment, I would like it delayed. I would like to have that dialogue, and if there's a motion pending a delay. That was my original intent, but I was told I can't do this. This is the way it had to be presented. The 10-day notice had to be presented. I did it the way it had to be presented. Not that I agreed with everything that I had to do, but that's the only way we could bring it forward here before August 15th. That's the only way I could get it here. One thing I don't understand is even if this was to be implemented on August 15th, and then we decide at a later date that that process is illegal, why can't we stop it then? Because the situation I have a problem with is if they don't sign that lease, they don't get the work. Well, if that's the case, Tom, in any business, if Yellow Cab is going to be so stupid as to challenge their own business by doing something that would limit them from making any money, I don't see how they're going to make a decision like that. That's because I prefer to let the business run the business, and we don't have to run their business. We can regulate it if it's illegal. My other problem with this whole thing is I haven't seen that many Yellow Cab people come forward that are complaining. I'm sure, like Paul said, he doesn't want to reach in his pocket and have to put the money up front, but it's the same amount of money that he's going to spend that month if he intends to work every Friday and Saturday night. The people that I see complaining here don't work for Yellow Cab, and the ones that went to Daly evidently weren't from Yellow Cab. So I don't know what the real challenge is here. Maybe it's a personal vendetta against those individuals against Yellow Cab. I don't know. But from what I've heard here, and I've seen that this place was packed with Yellow Cab drivers, I'm sure that change is always difficult, but if that change protects the company and allows them, and there may be foreseeable problems that have already been audited in Yellow Cab in San Jose. I believe they just got hit with a large bill. Well, you know, first off, a lot of them were here because of the long-term lease part of it. The second thing, I don't know if you watched this, but most of the ones that were talking about not doing anything about the prepayment were medallion holders. They're not even the A-card holders. Well, they have the A-cards too, but they're medallion holders that came up here. You know, what do you think they're going to do? Well, they drive also. Yeah, sure they do, but they also collect monies for their medallion, don't they? Well, that's true. They don't want to create a situation where maybe that might change, that maybe the monies would change, right? But, again, you're saying that this deadline is such a problem for us. I don't think the deadline creates a problem. The deadline is if they don't sign it by the 15th, they don't work. No, I want to clarify that, Tom, because according to the existing lease that drivers have now, 
and correct me if I'm wrong, someone from Yellow, they can require now that you pay either before or after the shift. This is not what they're proposing to start on Friday is not something that they have that a driver has to sign a new lease to do. The prepayment, the prepayment, the monthly prepayment question. It's right there. Right. And now let me just clarify that if there's if I'm wrong on that, is Jim Gillespie still here? He's not here. All right. My understanding is that that's currently allowed, that you can either pay the one night before or after, and that this is not a change that requires a driver to sign a new lease. If it went to a monthly lease like they've told us tonight that they intend to do, that would. And we can certainly. Wait a minute. I just heard that they're starting to collect extra money that December they're going to have a month's worth of gates sitting there. Excuse me. We just can't have people shouting back. So it's going to be prepayment. Even if it's a nickel, it's a prepayment. So that's where the issue was, is August 15th, who doesn't agree to that, doesn't work. They're holding them out of service. That's my issue. And, Commissioner, any driver. And what would you like to do about it? Well, I want to, originally, my original intent is suspend this, get them to stop it until we can have a full hearing, all the information out, get EDD and everybody involved in this thing, and then find out if, in fact, this satisfies EDD or not, or the Department of Labor. This is putting the cart before the horse. And that's what we've been. They've been messing up. I heard that this has been wrong since 1991. This is 2008. So if they've been messing up for 17 years, Yellow can wait for three more months of following up. That's what I think. Enough of this. Okay, but the question that I asked was what you wanted us to do about it. What do you want us to do? I agree that this hearing, getting the state to come and explain their intentions, but what I see from the board, and this is why I say I have a problem with the board resolution, is that they say that they want to, they urge the taxi commission to adopt a rule prohibiting the collection of any monies, whether called deposit prepayments or any other term, other than daily gate fees. So everybody now who's on a long-term lease, if we follow the board's resolution, it would make that illegal. And this is essentially a way of telling us that they want only gates and gas, which is a legitimate position to take, but that doesn't, it doesn't take into account the way people are living their lives right now and the way they had their leases structured. We have a large number of long-term leases right now that are on prepayment. Okay, Paul. I'm taking out Rule 4C1 changes. I'm taking out Rule 5K1 changes and Rule 6A11 changes. Okay? Those are out. Okay, now let's quit talking about long-term leases. Okay. Prepayments. I want to get to the point where Yellow can't hold people out of working because of this prepayment thing until we have a full hearing of the commission. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that it's pretty obvious that they really haven't done a lot of their homework in terms of having a real legal binding agreement that they've asked, you know. It doesn't seem to me like that little piece of paper is that necessarily official if they're going to change their policy like that. 
And I also had a question, too, about the solvency of the company. If that part, somebody just brought that up as maybe part of one of the issues, if that is a concern. So I agree that all these things should be brought out and discussed at one time. And I didn't see the board thing. I haven't read it. But if they just urge us, that doesn't mean they're not saying they can't direct us to do something. They're not directing us. In fact, it's quite the contrary. If the board would have wanted to act, they have the power to write any law that they want to. Well, but they didn't. And so what I'm saying is doing what he wants to do would take care of that also. Let them know that we want to stop this until we have a hearing and all the parties are together and we can make a little more informed decision. And this was an attempt to do that, which was to invite our staff to put together a memo, giving a background to invite someone from the state. But it just led to more questions. But what I heard tonight from the state and what I heard, what I know about the taxi industry, it means we're on a collision course. We're on a collision course right now between what the state is asserting is the law and what the practice in the statewide taxi industry is in California. But I don't understand. You know, if it in fact is true that Yellow Cab has been doing something. It's not just Yellow Cab. Let's talk about it. Every cab company in the city is doing gates and gas. I mean, Yellow Cab is constantly being singled out for, you know, approbation. Okay. Okay. I understand you're a driver at Yellow. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be a little bit fair here. I'm trying to be fair in the sense that Yellow is not the only one who's doing this. If we hold them off for three months, if we hold them off for three months, EDD or the Department of Labor, I guarantee you, is not going to just look at last month. They're going to go back quite a ways. So it's not going to make a difference another two or three months to their solvency one way or another. If they're going to go back, I don't know exactly how far they can go back, but I bet you they can go back five years. And if they go back five years, what's two months mean? Department of Labor is different. So I'm just saying I just want to stop now until we can do something, hear something, understand it, be able to make an informed decision. That's all. Do we have the authority to do that? No, we don't. Pardon me? We don't have the authority to do that, do we? We can urge them. Well, that's why the tent, no, we do have it because that's why I went through this nightmare. Ten days notice gave us the authority to make a rule. I'm not ready to. But by your own admission, the rule that we have on the agenda tonight is nothing. It's not even close to what. Well, if you eliminate 6A11, 5K1, and 4C1. What's the rule then? Eliminating prepayments and deposits. Where do you see that? It's right here on the agenda. But all the lease drivers want them to prepay. Where is it on the rule? But it gives us the ability to make it. That's why I made it so broad. I know. That's why I took all this heat, you know, that nobody understood. But, you know, that's the idea is to be able to change this. I guess I'm asking you directly, Commissioner Arnetto, if you want to make a motion and resolution tonight. Okay. Well, first let's make sure we're on legal ground. Can we do something to suspend them from instituting a new payment plan? That's already in a lease. That's already in the agreement that the drivers have signed. It's nothing new. They're just putting up a new paper to say do it. 
And you have the power to adopt a regulation. Which could override a lease provision. I would remind you, you need four votes to pass anything tonight. I just want to do something long enough so we could do it all, you know, a full hearing with hopefully seven commissioners. I don't know. I know. I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss too. I mean, as far as how to pass. I don't want to put you on the spot, Commissioner Onetto, because I, if I was to be put on the spot like I'm putting you on now, I wouldn't know what to come up with for a resolution tonight because I don't know what to do tonight. I mean, I'm going to be honest about that. Anybody who thinks can, that can they we, know what to do, you know, if, please, if, I invite you to be on the taxi if, commission. If we do this as a commission and just stop it, can't we come back in three months and allow it? Change it again and just allow it again? And how about a one month after a hearing? If a hearing could be scheduled that fast. As long as it, I don't care how long it takes, just as long as we have our hearing, as long as we have our e, the EDD. You know, I, I wish they were here now. We'd be a lot better off, but, you know, thank God. I don't know, you know, why they're not here. I mean, they can talk to the Bay Guardian, but maybe they can't come and talk to the Taxi Commission. So you're going you're gonna to tell me we can't come up with something to keep, yellow, well, any company that's going to do this from keeping I'm just saying drivers put out of service until they sign it. We're not going to do nothing. Not nothing. I'm saying if you want to pass a resolution saying that you can't allow, that you can't take prepayments, then you're going to affect hundreds of people. Yeah. Tom, I'm uncomfortable voting about this when they have, when the EDD puts out an information sheet that allows prepays. I'm just uncomfortable doing it. It's a business decision. If any driver comes here before the commission and wants to uh, change color schemes or a medallion holder wants to change color schemes, I'll be the first to approve them if it's going from yellow because of this to another company. And I'll just say, okay, fine. You're, you know, I don't want to even ask any other questions. Um, and they do have the freedom of movement from company to company. But I... One, one agency says it's legal to do. I don't want to be, have this commission incur more legal costs because we decide to do something just because it was thrust on us this evening without any hearing beforehand. And that's where I am. Ivan, how about if we, if we make a reg rule, a regulation, or do something that says, urges them not to, to, to proceed with their plan until the hearing and, and not let them um, disallow anyone from driving their ship for not paying their pain. You know, still, still uh, if a driver doesn't have, let them, let them, you know what I'm saying? Not forcing them, not forcing the drivers to have to prepaid in order to drive. I, I like this. It wasn't noticed this way, but I like this. Yeah, and he's saying, he's shaking his head yes, so. That we can Pass a resolution simply. <laughs> you adopt a resolution urging them to hold off while you more fully investigate. Yeah. Good enough for supervisors. I mean, that's what the Board of Supervisors did was urge. I mean. Well, and also, but not to penalize any. And if they so choose not to, like my that. question was not to penalize any drivers who don't prepay. 
That was my point, was urging them to reconsider, but at the same time, if they choose not to reconsider, not to penalize any drivers until such time as we make a final decision. That allows it to come back on the agenda at any time. What's wrong? And this will come back on the agenda, believe me. Yeah, I know. It's a business. Let's conduct this in public. Let's conduct our hearing in public so we can hear what is there any. I was asking the city attorney if there was any form we could take that would allow us to not allow a cab company to hold someone out of service for not prepaying. Unfortunately, that probably does fall outside of what's been noticed. I think if we watch Yellow Cab, if they do decide to go ahead with this August 15th date, knowing that we're urging them not to publicly hear from Commissioner Breslin and myself, I agree that it does require probably more time and understanding as to their position and what their ultimate position will be with EDD. Let's find out from EDD and the DIR or whatever they are. I mean, if they're looking to really tap them for a lot of money, then it's a real problem for us to sit here and say how they should run their business if they're going to face a major setback and have to fight that lawsuit. But at the same time, I don't see any business, especially a cab company, prohibiting their drivers from driving if they need drivers. So they're going to either have to modify their own rule. Hypothetically, if everybody says, gee, I'm not going to drive for Yellow Cab because I don't want to put up any money. If I'm working three shifts and I can't afford to do it, then forget about Yellow Cab. I'm going to go to Green Cab and work from now on. Well, that's going to happen, and that means that Yellow Cab is not going to put their medallions on the street. So obviously it's business, and I don't think that we should be necessarily regulating the business unless it really proves later that there's a problem. And then we can come and force them to do something with a regulation, obviously if that's what we desire to do later. But for right now, trying to anticipate what's going to happen in their business is kind of foolish on our part, trying to regulate their business. We're not the ones that are showing up for work to drive. Maybe the drivers are going to show up and pay this money or find a way to pay it over a length of time where it doesn't hurt them to pay it. I think that that's what Yellow Cab really has to find a way to do. If it's beneficial for them to get this money ahead of time and it prohibits the state from coming after them and saying that they have to pay back taxes, that's really what the question mark is going to be. Then let's wait and see what it's going to be, because in three months if it really shows an onslaught of drivers that can't afford it and are being turned away for work, then that's going to come to us, and we're going to have to do something about that. But for right now, I don't think we should do anything. I think we should table this and watch it and see what happens. And if nothing else, let's just urge them, like we can set a motion, send a letter to them urging them to put this thing off. And if they can appreciate that and find a better solution to what this is as up front, then I think it will work out for everybody involved. And if it's a better business decision on their part to charge this money, then let it happen. You know, it's not for us to say what they should do for their business. Or any cab company, not just Yellow. And I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of the drivers. Well, 
Well, I know I don't have enough support for this, so you guys have fun. Maybe Commissioner Benjamin wants to make a motion. Well, both Commissioner Saval and you have expressed an interest in a motion urging Yellow Cab to postpone the implementation of this pending further discussion with the state and other regulatory authorities. So I could support that. And maybe inform us also, we could put in this motion to inform the commission as to the status of drivers. If they are turning away a number of drivers, we'd like to know that. Don't you think the drivers will tell us? Well, okay. It comes the same way. Can I have some kind of assurance that we're going to have this meeting? Well, see, the problem is I can't subpoena or compel the state to appear. I mean, the woman from the labor board came tonight and was very gracious and very, you know, giving of her time. But we can't subpoena or compel someone to come. And I understand a lot of these conversations aren't really going to take place in the context of a public meeting. So I didn't say that EDD had to be there. I just think that we need to establish that we are going to do this in the future. That's just part of it. You know, you said that's what you want. Now, you know, so make a commitment to it. Well, the commitment is, I mean, this is not the last hearing that this commission is going to hold on this. I'll commit to that if that's what, yeah. Especially if we're urging Yellow Cap to do something and depending on whether or not they do it is going to, you know, affect what we do in the future. Mr. President, we're both saying I think this what we're agreeing on is that Jim Gillespie said that they are in in the process of getting together with both the EDD and the DIR. And perhaps we could urge him to to share any relevant information. Not all because it may be some personal to their business, but any relevant information. Would either one of you like to put this in the form of a motion? I would think I would think if there was something that they wouldn't want to share, it would be something that. No, no, no. It could be something pertaining to their business business. Oh, I just to their instead of the industry at large. Okay, then are we in for I mean, I'm also hearing, though, from Commissioner Benjamin that he doesn't even think we should do a formal resolution. I don't think we need a resolution. I think we should just make a motion to urge Yellow Cab to put off. I think we should just make a motion to urge Yellow Cab to put off this implementation until three months or until December or the first of the year or whatever other time frame that they were indicating before. Just to give it some time to see whether or not it's it's required other or to watch it, you know, for three months on our part and see if the complaints really do materialize that you're afraid of happening. If the drivers are going to be turned away, you know, you know, complaints, you know, how many people are are going to be afraid to complain just like they are all the time? You know, that's part of the problem here. You know, so let me ask you one question. If if you're going to be charged, let's say a round number, a hundred dollars a day to drive a cab and you want to drive three days a week, 
And you know that at the end of those three days, every day you're going to pay $100. Now, if you were to pay that $100 three times, times four, 12 times, so you got $1,200 in the pot. You know that you're going to be able to drive the cab. You're not going to have to reach in your pocket after the shift. Every dime you take, you're still, you're not getting charged anything extra. You're just getting charged the same amount. What's the problem? It's not a deposit. It's not a deposit. I'm saying it's for you to drive that cab. Where is it wrong? Really? No, there's no more interaction between the audience. What and the does it say? Okay, commissioners, we have. It's still $2,000 that's sitting there. It's not sitting $2,000 because if $2,000 is not just going to sit there, it's the $2,000 that they're going to be using. It's kind of like the fast track program for crossing the Bay Bridge. I'm not talking about what the contract says. I'm saying the idea behind the, as opposed to what you're saying, it doesn't just sit there, $2,000. It can be replenished every month, but it's the same as if you go across the bridge, they tap that account. Well, that's how they're going to be tapping your account. That's my understanding. Maybe I'm totally wrong on it. See, and that's exactly why I had the issue with this is we're in the dark. We shouldn't be in the dark. That's the first thing I said. You don't have one, and neither do I. But the way I heard it, the way I understood it is they're allowing them up until December to build up to that amount for 20 shifts. So they're going to have to pay extra to get up to there. Then once they have that money sitting there, then they're going to have to start paying every time they do work. And that money is just going to sit there. It's not going to come down. Now it's going to always just sit there. That's how I understood it. That's how it was explained to me. You know, that's what I heard. People in the audience, can we just stop talking? That's my issue with it. It's money sitting there. 
that's not accruing interest and it's going to be sitting there until that person leaves that company. And then they expect them to work it all that, that money down so that they walk out with nothing. Okay, but I think it, it's interpreted in two ways. One, you'll pay it down if you don't want to keep replenishing it. Or you can pay it and then work through that month where that money is used, and then you'll have to come up with the sum at the first of the month. Like and then, you would and your then rent. if you don't replenish it, then you don't get then to they work. hold you out of service. So well, then you can't get any money to replenish it. I don't know. That's I, why I, I say know. we have to find <laughs> out. I don't know. That's the thing. That's but our problem. Again, I go back to one other thing. It's a business. And if they're going to ruin their business by doing something like this, I don't think that it's going to happen. I don't. And it's a cooperative. I don't think they're going to allow it to happen. Well, I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to hold this up any longer, so go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> I'm done. So you don't have a resolution tonight? No one has a resolution well, tonight. The, the, no, they're going to come up with. I thought you were going to come oh, up with well. one that, that, to urge them. I haven't seen a I resolution. Know I'm not gonna, I know I don't have support for this. What you want me to say? Okay, I make a I make a motion. You know. So, why, why am I going to do that? I'm just saying I haven't heard a resolution that I can support tonight. I haven't heard any kind of a motion or anything that really addresses this issue in a way that I think is responsible. And so my inclination is to, you know, just say that I'm hoping that people who are engaged in conversations to resolve this continue those, and this commission reserves the right to act at any time. But tonight, to pass a law prohibiting free payment, what happens to the 700 people who have already paid for this month on their long-term leases? I mean... We just can't do something like that tonight. So, uh, you know, and if we pass a resolution urging Yellow Cab not to do this, well, then we're putting them in a position where we're sort of undermining them in their attempt against their will to comply with what the state is saying. So... I, you know, I don't see anything that I can support tonight that this commission can do that is really going to rationally address this. So way. can we suspend any new long-term leases? You know, that, that way grandfathers all the ones that are there already? You know, like I say, we can do anything we want if that's well, what you want to do. Does that address that's what you want to do. It, it grandfathers all There's the really just too much noise coming. Does, does, does you it, especially, Liz. I'm going to have to ask you to leave if you can't be quiet. Does, does Whoever is making all the noise in there. Okay, I, I think um, we don't have enough votes here for anything tonight because as I keep hearing what the president says here, what Commissioner Benjamin has been saying about it's a business, are we putting them in a difficult situation with their dis business decisions by making a decision tonight uninformed, even to the extent, as I first was right with you about urging them to do it, does that put them in a difficult situation? We don't know what uh, their conversations with the EDD and the DIR are, are going to be. I, I think it will come to light very quickly 
if there's a problem with this. And I would suggest, as you did, President Gillespie, that we would act immediately. And I would keep this on the agenda so that we are able to act at any time should we see the need to do this. Absolutely. Why not? Because you need the 10-day notice. The agenda is only 72 hours. If you leave the same regulation and just continue it to the call of the chair, you will have met your 10-day notice as of tonight, and then you can, whenever you subsequently adopt it, you will have met the notice. Thanks. But we would have to, if we didn't care for this resolution, which it appears we don't, we would have to notice it again with the ---- Not if you didn't go sort of beyond the envelope created by this proposal. If you wanted to cut back on it, that's not a problem. It's when you want to push it further or go into areas that really weren't covered by the original proposal that you have notice problems. Okay. Thank you. So if there's no objection, this will be continued to the call of the chair. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Seeing no objection, next item. Could I have asked the President to take a look at the agenda and to perhaps prioritize what things need to be taken care of, like the consent calendar? I'm sure there are people here waiting to hear whether or not they're going to ---- Let me just go through that for a second here because we did lose our executive director. So I think staff report and commissioner announcements is probably going to be, we'll call that agenda item. There probably won't be a staff, unless were you going to? Okay. I think everything else here is relatively non-controversial. So let's call agenda item two. Yes. And thank you for coming tonight. Everyone who showed up tonight, if you are leaving now, just try to do so quietly. Agenda item two. Agenda item two, staff report and commissioner announcements. This is informational only. Okay. Since we've lost our director, there is a published staff report with some information inside there. If there's any ---- Are there any commissioners that have any announcements? Anything they'd like to announce under this agenda item? Okay. Seeing none. No, I have no announcement. Okay. I had a question for the staff report, but ---- If you have a question on the staff report, this would be an appropriate time for it. Okay. Well, I just questioned what was the status of the broker case. The status of? The broker case. The man who we heard in July who then got an attorney and ---- Yeah, there's been some negotiations between our staff and the attorney's office to get a clear date when everybody's going to be available, and I believe that's going to be in September. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We'll take public comment on the staff report and commissioner announcements for one minute, and given that there was none, first of all, in the staff report that I read on the site, it says staff regulates. Staff does not regulate. Staff is an administrative body, not a regulating body. The executive director is a liaison and is supposed to keep records and maintain pertinent data bases, like customer correspondence. By the way, there are ---- Where are the controller's reports that are due now? I believe they were due now for the gates and gas recommendations, 
And I've yet to see the outreach format and questionnaire. Um, uh, is it the same as last time, or and uh, are you meeting your uh, mandated goals? Also, for the record, I submitted a report about limousines uh, that outlined the multiple jurisdictions problems uh, back in June of '03. I was wondering uh, why do you think this is a recent recent news um, that uh, the jurisdiction problem? Uh, and um, thank you. What Next do you plan speaker. to do about it? I was wondering. Thank you. My name is Jim Kennedy. I was going to mention that the role of the executive director as approved by the voters in 1998, Prop D, didn't say that the executive director is a regulator. And it just, you know, maybe enforcer, but not a regulator. Also, in the surprise inspections, uh, you know, what's with the surprise? Why can't she advise the people that they're coming down? They made a raid. This inspection surprise, it's a raid. They came down to American Cab on July 3rd, the day before the 4th of July, with uh, 10 police officers and fire department officials, along with the, the, the executive director and Sergeant Reynolds. And they went from, from the, the, the roof to the basement. They went into enterprise uh, rentals area they shouldn't have been in. And uh, they, they had them run out of time. They, they gave us till there was only 11 violations. That was fire violations. They should have sent down a fire marshal. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, this is something that I've been working on with the uh, with the commission office. The, uh, it's a flyer that's, um, that was actually going to present Woodard on it, but she had to go. So I don't know if you can see this, but. Uh, Something that uh, was actually taken out of muni buses, and I, I merged it, and uh, uh, and this is the way it'll look on on cabs. So you can pass these around. Are you done, Keith? Yeah. Next speaker on the staff report. Uh, Ron Fishman, uh, I think you all know who I am. I just want to finish what Mr. Kennedy was saying. On July 3rd, there was a, 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 a people from the taxi commission, the fire department, the police department went to American Cab. They found 10 or 11 violations and gave them, I think, three days to fix it. But this was July 3rd, so a holiday, then two weekend days. It seemed to me that it was... This was most inappropriate, you know, and uh, and uh, I don't know why uh, several police officers and I, I think they had ten people down there doing an inspection with you know surprise inspection. Oh, you have three days to fix these fire code violations, and uh, it's July 3rd, just before the July 4th holiday. It seems to me that was harassment. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to pull a comment on the staff report? Seeing none, this agenda item is closed. You know, I noticed we have a special special order for public comment at 9 o'clock, so I'm going to go to that that now. That's uh, special, special order 9 special to 930. Public comment. Please limit public comment to items not on the agenda. Can I see a show of hands of people who wants to speak on this agenda item, on items not on tonight's agenda? But Can we raise your hand high? Okay. Just line up one minute. Excuse me. It, Excuse point of order. 
According to your, this agenda, there is only one public comment. Right. And that's, this is it, the special order public comment. So we're not going to have a second one. Right. This will be the only public comment tonight. Okay. Please just line up, whoever is ready. Please line up one minute. Can I get the projector? Projector, please. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, for the record and the minutes, I requested an investigation into who ordered the surveys that I've submitted to this commission omitted from the tax commission files. I've asked for an investigation. I'd like to see one. And by the way, that was at a time when Ms. Tigpen was the outreach coordinator, and I believe she has knowledge of what happened to those. Where are the 2000, oh, here's the 2008, excuse me, surveys. And this is, completes this year's survey. Isn't it interesting how you interpret furthering the interest of the public, never mind taxi service or the cost of living. Commissioner, as you can see, this is, this is it, the leftovers, the other half. Here are the tallies. I would go, any questions about this survey that I've conducted? I've surveyed over about 10,997, no, 1,097 customers this year. Thank you. Next speaker. Okay. Thanks. Carl McMurdo. At the Board of Appeals last week, there was a very interesting hearing for an applicant named Young Yee, and Mark Gruber helped write a brief with him. And the upshot of it was that he was an applicant and he didn't qualify under Daily Ma, and he missed one year entirely, and the other year he was, he worked about 600 hours. And what the board decided was that because this commission has not passed an ADA accommodation policy for applicants, they established one on a case-by-case basis, and they're invoking that document this year, 2006, clarifying limits of ADA protection, that we feel for the medallion holders may not be adequate, but apparently would serve as a pretty good guide for applicants. Anyway, they determined that this gentleman was a full-time driver, even though he was short, and instructed the commission to give him the next medallion, put him on the top of the list. So I think it would be in your interest to have that on the agenda to discuss policy for applicants and ADA accommodations. Thank you. Very briefly, since they have a minute here, this presentation, my name is Emil Lawrence, and it's directed basically to you, Mr. Gillespie. You're the only one on the commission that drives a taxi. You're the only one that knows what a taxi driver puts in his pocket every day after a grueling 10, 11-hour shift. And based on the past 12, 15 months, based on the economic times, you've also, in a way, sat back and did nothing in this commission while your friends in San Jose at the city council, and this happened this past week, raised the drop to $3.50, added a 50-cent surcharge for gasoline on each fare, raised the mileage to $3 a mile from, we got $2.25 here. 
and added up to a $2 surcharge per fare and gasoline. This commission used to be a leader, and now it's not. San Jose has taken initiative. Their meter now is basically about 30 to 40 percent higher than ours. Thank you. Since this is pre-read, I'd like it in, put into the Thank you. public. Next speaker. Liz Bradley, 11 years. Um, I, I just sit back in my cab just about every day and think about the decisions that don't get made in this room. I can't help it. It's, it's, it just blows my mind. Okay, I'm 60. I've been around the block a few times. Where are the decisions here? Where's the gas charge, uh, a surcharge for our gas? Why are you allowing the drivers that are in low income to spend an additional five to $700 a month out of their money? Why are you doing it? Why aren't you doing something about this, guys? You know, everybody else is giving the drivers a surcharge. What are you doing for us? Anything? Paul? Anything? Okay. You know, and it, it's, it, it's mind-boggling that you still are sitting there every meeting and letting the drivers pay $700 out of their pockets that we used to make. But now we have to pay a $7 surcharge that you authorized. Thank you, Gavin Newsom. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not targeting you, Paul, but what's the $7 for? I never did figure that out. Thank you. Uh, good evening again, Mark Ruberg, and I, I'd like to talk about the role of commissioners on this commission. Um, it's a little unusual in that uh, most of the commissioners represent distinct uh, constituencies. And when I hear Commissioner Benjamin speak, I hear a strong advocate for cab companies. I disagree with him most of the time, but that is his role. Uh, when I hear Commissioner Oneto speak, I hear somebody who's speaking for labor. Uh, Commissioner Breslin speaks very well for her industry, and Commissioner Suval has not been on the commission that long, but I'm sure when issues pertaining to seniors and disabled uh, come up, that she will be a strong advocate for them. When driver issues come up, and particularly recently, there is, there is a void on this commission. There is nobody on this commission taking the part of the driver. The driver representative on this commission is not representing the cab drivers, his own constituency. I'm very sorry about that, Paul. Next speaker. One minute. Is it 9 to 9.30? Are there 30 speakers here? You only allow one minute? I protest. You know, this is ridiculous. One minute. You got 30 speakers here? I want to show that. Uh, yellow cab. Uh, the American cab's got a, almost a half a page ad in the newspaper, uh, in the yellow pages. We expect credit cards and all the other stuff. Soto. Already have you know ads. I'll put their address on there. Uh, also, on the survey dispatch survey was very unprofessional, very unethical, and there was stuff that was left out. It's that you know American cab response time was 10, 10 minutes or whatever, and uh, the shortest time was four minutes. 
Luxacab was 16.33 minutes. They failed the 15-minute mark, and yellow was 15.75. American Cab outperformed all the other companies on this survey, and yet they've got a bunch of garbage here, 23 pages on why they want to remove their dispatch service. I'll be back. Next speaker. Taxi Commissioners, Ron Fishman again. I just wanted to point out that I started driving a cab in 1980. The taxi meter is $1.20 a mile. I did some research on the Internet. To keep up with inflation, the taxi meter should be $3.10 a mile today. It's $2.25 a mile. We've had a 38% pay cut, not even counting the fact that gasoline has gone up to the moon. What amazes me is that no one in the city, the Taxi Commission, the Board of Supervisors, has given us a meter increase or a gas surcharge. I even have passengers in my cab say, hey, how come the meter hasn't gone up? Aren't you paying a fortune for gas? I actually regret being in this business because every year my pay is being cut, and I'm working for peanuts now. I'm asking all you members of the Taxi Commission, it's time for us to have a meter increase. Please do this for us. We have a right to earn a living, too. Thank you. Next speaker. Please, whoever was next, just come up. I hope you're free on Mondays, Commissioner Onetto, because that's when the Sunshine Task Force meets. You had no right to even bring up the long-term lease after you sent those people home. It's called divide and conquer. You represent labor. I think you know about that, right? Something, I guess it's the anniversary, and I keep thinking about Lindsay Welcome and this ADA lawsuit and the horrible position you're going to find yourselves in. I'm just hoping you can think and have compassion. I think about how alone she must have felt at the end of her life. I met Mr. Sloan last Christmas, and you know what he told me? He says, you know, there's nothing more in this world I would rather do than drive a cab. I'm a Vietnam vet. Agent Orange destroys his lungs. He went out and served his country, and he can't even breathe anymore. He can barely stand up, let alone drive a cab, but he said, I would love to be driving a cab right now, so keep that in your mind. Thank you. Next speaker. I hope the fact that I'm with a cab company doesn't tarnish what I'm about to say, but I don't think the job of an advocate is necessarily to be contrary on every position or to take an adversarial position. And I think one of the reasons that President Gillespie is the president of the commission is because of his attempt always to see issues fairly and squarely and to take a proper position, but not necessarily to take it, not ever that I've ever seen to take a destructive position. However else people see you, I want to thank you for your attempt to be fair on all issues. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Commissioners, Naeem Malik. Naeem, could you speak in the microphone? I'm sorry. 
time, please. Uh, commissioners, do something about the Bill of Rights for cab drivers. Do something about the health care benefits for the cab drivers. Do something about the retirement benefits for the cab driver. Do something about the respect the cab drivers really deserve. Do something about the ca uh, cab company management to stop treating the cab drivers unfairly. Do something about the decrease the fee cap to 86.50 instead of 96.50. Do something about the gas increase uh, uh, required the cab company to share the burden to pay the 50% of the gas at least. Meter, incre meter increase is not the answer. The people of San Francisco don't want to pay the meter increase because San Francisco cabs already very expensive. Thank you. I have 18 seconds left for you, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. As a person who's, who's good evening, Commissioners, Mr. President, uh, as a person who's, who sat in that seat, it took a lot of power tonight and a lot of pressure on each and every one of you. You know, I just want to make the statement, you know, Tom Moneta, you know, was was equal to the task. I think Paul, you, you know, you you're you're you're, you're wa waving everything. Pat, you did great. Sayla, I didn't know you that well, but and then <coughs> Mr. Benjamin, you're you know, it, it took a lot for you guys to be up here tonight, and and, and to to hear this this the, number, the item number three. And I just want to thank you. You did the right thing, and uh, it's going to come back. And Tom is going to have his his uh, you know. Second fight on it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I know he's got a lot of fight in him, too. <laughs> Next speaker. Hi, my name's Robert Duncanson. I've been driving a cab for Yellow for 12 years. And I think you're doing a good job. You've got a very tough job. You've got a lot of anger. It's uh, put your way. Keep it up. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, Thomas George Williams again. We learned something interesting. Gas is an overhead. Actually, the company should pay it. In future, this commission should may make a rule like that. There's no, air no airplane pilot who pays his own gas on a commercial airplane. Wouldn't work. It looks the same almost in a taxi cab. It's so expensive. So we need to address this. Until then, the this is towards the public. We don't have a meter increase yet. The city hall doesn't do anything about it right now. Please tip your driver better. A buck, two, or two extra would help. It's that bad. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? This will be the last public comment tonight, Joe. If there's anyone else who wants to speak under public comment. Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, I'm going to go to the consent calendar, but I want to make a couple of points because I know that uh, Director Thigpen wanted to be here for agenda item five, which has to do with the minimum size for dispatch services, and I know she got a lot of uh, feedback at the meeting she held on Friday with the color scheme, so my instinct and sort of inclination is to continue that item tonight if there's any uh, anything from the commissioners Which one? Number item number five yeah. minimum size of dispatch service if that was uh, 
my instinct is to continue that because of her need to be here and, and to share with us the feedback that she got on that. So I know that there are some people who signed up to speak on that agenda item tonight. Um, we're going to call it after the consent calendar, and we'll call it for the purposes of allowing you to speak if you want to. But just so you know, I think I'm going to decide to continue that to our next meeting. <coughs> and uh, I sort of feel the same way about items 6 and 7. Um, they're relatively innocuous, but again, it's better, I think, if uh, Director Thigpen is here to introduce them. And we'll have a full commission. And so it's my inclination right now, if there's no objections, to continue items 5, 6, and 7 so that we'll be dealing with the consent calendar, and that'll be our final. Mr. Owen, thank you. <laughs> Is that a kudos? Okay, we're going to go to uh, Sorry? Go to public comment before you go to another item. Did you speak on public comment? On item five. I will go to public comment on item five. When I'll oh, call you it. You go out of order like that? Yeah. No, we're not going out of order. Going exactly in the order that we have on the agenda. Next item is the consent calendar, and item number four. Item number four, consent calendar. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered a separate item. Okay. Uh, we need to sever a few things. I need to recuse on C1. Commissioner Breslin needs to recuse on C2. Benjamin. No. Commissioner Benjamin, I'm sorry. I'm a little uh, discombobulated here tonight. Um, item C3, I know that there is some, there's an attached memo from our executive director. Again, that is an item that I would like to continue pending her return. That, that was uh, an item that, that was the staff had strongly recommended against granting this agenda, this uh, medallion. So, is Mr. Testamarium, is the Mikhail here tonight? No, you don't. I just wanted to find out if you were here tonight. My instinct is to continue your item till our next meeting because our executive director has some comments on that and she's not here. So, um, that's going to. If there's no objection from the commissioners, I'd like to do that. So we're going to be severing C1 and C2. Is there anything else? Color scheme change, item F. Four and five. Four and five need and to be severed separately. And D4 as well. D4. He's requesting a continuance because he's out of the country. Harminder Singh is requesting continuance. That will be continued. Okay. I'm going to take public comment now on the consent calendar for one minute. Is there anyone who wants to speak on the consent calendar? Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on uh, speaking on uh, item C2, uh, driver uh, Henry Marsicano. In October 05, uh, Mr. Marsicano got an ADA accommodation. Uh, there was a misunderstanding that occurred at that time. Uh, Henry thought that his modified driving requirement would run for uh, a year, uh, one year period running from October of that year until the following October. He proceeded to uh, fulfill that requirement as he understood it and did so by a comfortable margin. Uh, only later did he understand 
that the, uh, uh, the, the period, that instead of a comfortable margin, he was actually coming up short 24 hours. Uh, I would ask you to look at the overall picture with Mr. Marsicano, 30 years of exemplary service, last seven years as a ramp taxi medallion holder. Uh, we at Luxor are very grateful to have uh, his services and uh, urge you to uh, uh, grant his uh, sedan medallion tonight. Thank you, Charles. You're welcome. On item F, uh, I noticed that is in the supporting documents, there is a, <clears throat> a lot of uh, contention between DeSoto cab drivers, uh, medallion holders leaving DeSoto. There's two tonight, and then there's one, two, three, four, five at the next meeting. They're complaining that DeSoto upped their uh, costs by 40%. And I'd like you to consider that when you consider abolishing Put doing away with uh, dispatch services. That would just give the other companies, uh, you know, uh, uh, an opportunity to up the, the to get whatever. When, when, when I started with American, they were paying $100 a, a cab to Citywide, and then they upped it to $200. So American left Citywide because they had their own, they had dispatch for the airport services. <laughs> so if you're going to close down these dispatch services, then Lux or Yellow and Old DeSoto, they're all going to up their costs. Thank you. Next speaker. Sir, um, my name is David Reyes, and um, I'm here at, um, on item four about the medallion. And um, I don't know if you... I'm sorry, what, what item are you here? D1, excuse okay. me. D1, excuse me. Um, I was working before, and uh, what happened is that um, I, I was working two jobs. I was uh, driving and working for the cable cab um, uh, for the city and county. I got hurt on the cable cab um, for three years. I've been on this two to three years. But I have my medallion and, um, I mean, excuse me, my A-car. I'm kind of nervous here and stuff like that. And, um, all my qualifications and stuff is just that for the past two to three years I've been on disability. I tore up my shoulder muscle and uh, my ligament and my bone here, as you can see. And I'm just trying to ask for extension on. Have you had a chance to speak to our staff about this? Um, I just got the letter that they told me to come here okay. at 6.30 today. Okay, when I'm given the circumstances, my instinct is to continue this and to allow you to talk to our staff and explain your circumstances, and we'll yes, recalendar this item for our next meeting. Yes, sir. So you should make, make, an, make an appointment with our staff as soon as possible to discuss your situation. So I, I call the commission. Call our staff, talk to either our, our commission secretary or our executive director. Okay. Okay, so item D1 will be continued. Thank you. Thank you. Put something on the overhead here. Um, this is on item C2. I don't know the individual. I understand he's a bona fide career applicant, but you'll see it's in the supporting documents. It says he received an ADA accommodation. It should read for the year 2006. It says for 2005. It says he had to drive 530. It should read 533. He was given a 267-hour accommodation, one-third. Uh, you don't have a policy for, for ADA for applicants. 
your executive director told this to the board of appeals last week how can this be how can this be what is your policy and what I would suggest the board of appeals and I will link each of you the hearing from the SFG TV tape it's only about 25 minutes long where they gave Mr. Yee his medallion or they put him to the top of the list they're going to go by that year 2006 accommodation and so I suggest you expand the accommodation to be 300 or 400 hours for this gentleman rather than to make him go through a hearing just give him his daily mall accommodation since other people but I think you get the drift of my point that you're not the regulators are being told that you do not have a policy for applicants and here's an official case document saying there is one thank you thank you this will be brief Commissioner Gillespie and fellow commissioners what is the breakdown now are you taking a combination of shifts and hours both or individually because it's not clear now based on the hours number that maybe somebody can put in 24 hours in one day or 12 hours in one day if that's the case it doesn't specify whether the hours break down in multiple shifts or not for Henry Marciano or the other individual number three I didn't know there was a three hour shift but if there's a three hour shift there must be a 12 hour shift or a 24 hour shift that would comply with the rule so my question to you do you know that or is that not the case I'm sorry we don't we don't have that next speaker item F1 George Lancey is not here tonight he's out working I really wonder why he decided to take his medallion to Green Cab I'm sure he received a solicitation letter like some of my friends did they're paying a lot of money I get them from American Cab and people have also been getting them from Green Cab Green Cab solicits medallion holders and offers to pay them more offers them more goodies than the other companies do so Mark's playing the medallion game but then when he gets in front of you he has an entirely different story and I think when George did I mean I just don't know why he would take his medallion to a company who is run by somebody who espouses constantly that medallions should be revoked from the old and disabled and you're no spring chicken George and I think when he came to his senses he wanted to go to another company and Mark threatened to sue him for $30,000 so I hope you fulfill your contract with them and get the hell out of there Mark Rueberg I deny it I'm not going anywhere near there but you know I just have noted on D I'm sorry B B1 dispatcher for yellow cab says here she said she only worked part time 05, 06 and 07 she's been working for yellow cab for I would say 15 years or so but she also used to drive in LA she used to own her own cab company 
and um, uh, L.A. wasn't so good as far as taxi business is concerned. Um, San Francisco is a much more fruitful industry here as far as servicing the public and, and the uh, need for taxis here in San Francisco. Uh, Mary and I know very well, and um, I know she's a dedicated driver. She, I uh, tell you just to let you know, uh, a lot of dispatcher, a lot of dispatchers at Yellow are drivers before they become dispatchers, and then they, and then they, if they want to drive, um, they also know the city very well, more than most anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thomas George Williams with ScreenCap. It's true, we offer a very competitive deal to medallion holders, and we buy new Priuses, uh, beautiful looking for the medallion holders, and there are plenty of reasons to come over to GreenCap, and I can encourage only every medallion holder to contact us so that we can talk more about this. Thank you. I think I'd like to charge you airtime. <laughs> Anyone else would like to speak under... Consent calendar. Seeing none, this public comment is closed. Um, I have a question about the Marsicano case. Also, it looks like there's a memorandum on this explaining some. This is another case where I would be inclined to continue this pending our uh, the return of our director, so that she can explain a little bit more in depth in terms of what's happening here. Yeah, there's a potential error in printing. Uh, is Mr. Marsicano here tonight? I don't want to ask any questions, but I think in terms of fairness to you, I would rather continue this and get a full explanation from our director rather than have us vote on, I think, what would be incomplete information here tonight. Um, I do have one, one quick question before we go ahead and continue it. Um, it says here that you received an ADA accommodation for the year 2005, and I heard a member from the public say it was 2006. What year did... Please speak in the mic. Okay, October 05 to October 06. And so I had well over the amount yeah. needed. So I don't really know what yeah. the question would be. Uh, okay, no, that you just answered it. Thank you. So for most of 06, you had your accommodation. Right. Yes, okay. So then I think. So does it have to be continued? Well, I, I'm seeing in 08 you were short. In 06 oh, you're short. 08 we just pro prorated it. Prorated. Okay. And then 07 is well over the yep. amount. Right. And I've been driving the ramp for seven years. Been in the industry after um, Yellow went co-op. So drove for them from 10 years. Drove for Luxor now, I would think, 10 years. Thank I you. see that you've received a couple of admonishments. The second one referenced here is violation of MPC 1081, failure to fulfill Prop K full-time driving requirement, unable to ascertain if hours were fulfilled. So, I, you know, my thing I is that I went to see her in the office, and on October 07, people that they were lettering for that particular time 
you hadn't signed a document stating that from then on everything would be according to the rules and regs. That year isn't even under consideration if that's 05. Well, we're looking at 06, 07, 08. Right. Well, no, this is. It can't be right, though, because 06, isn't that the one you only worked three months in 06? Pardon? You only worked three months in 06? No, 05. It went from 05, October 05 to October 06. So I combined all. Yes, I combined all those hours because you needed 533. And I was well above that. Tom, he didn't just work for three months. Then from 06 to 07. Just a second. What I understand, he didn't just work for three months. He had an ADA accommodation throughout the year. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. That's what I asked. So you only had to work three months in 06. No. It's the opposite? No, I had to do 533. Because when I got the ADA, it was from 05, October 05 to October 06. So you didn't work from October of 05 until October of 06. No, I worked all those hours. I worked all 533 you had to work. You just worked less hours. Oh, go ahead. It's actually a reduction of his hours. So he was reduced from the requirement, which is 800 hours, to 533 hours. So that's what he was required to drive from October 05 to October of 06. Tamara, I guess the question that I'm raising is that under the footnote of Section C there, footnote 2, it says applicant does not meet the full-time driving requirement, C memorandum. So that's why I'm uncomfortable maybe voting for this tonight. If that's what our staff is saying, I mean, I've heard something from you here tonight explaining yourself or explaining the situation. You have something to say about this specific case? No. Okay. Okay. And I'm sorry. You know, I really would like to hear, because we have this footnote from our director saying that you do not meet the full-time driving requirement, I'm more comfortable having her here explaining it. Now, I had a brief conversation with her this afternoon saying that there may be some mitigating circumstances in your case that would allow us to grant this medallion. And if so, I'd like to hear that from her. Okay. When I was at the 25 Van Ness office, they said they miscounted it. The receptionist said that, that they already did it. You were 24 hours short, 24 hours short of 05. They said we miscounted it because we didn't count 05 correctly. I know. But the problem is that I don't have any commission from our, any communication from our staff indicating that. I mean, I don't have any reason to disbelieve you that they said that to you, but I don't have any basis to vote on this. I think the issue is there was not enough to 2005 either then. Right? Or is 2005 okay? I think there's a problem with the dates, with the years. There's a question whether it's 06 or 05 or a combination of both. I think what the president is. There's enough confusion and questions that I have about this that I really don't feel comfortable voting on this tonight without our director here. And I'm sorry that that's the case. But if it's a, in your own interest, if it's a case of us voting to deny the medallion or continuing it for two weeks, you're much better off having us continue it for two weeks. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. This one's good. 
Okay, so there, as we've closed public comment, we've certain things are being uh, so tomorrow. C two will also be C two and C three will be continued to the next meeting, pending. Well, let's a, get, you know, let me. C two and C three is continued. D one is continued. D one is continued. D four is, is severed. D four is D4 continued. D four is severed, and F four and five are severed. Right. Okay. Motion to approve. Mr. Ashwani. Tonight you will be receiving your time. Okay, so we're going to take a vote on all the items that have not been severed right now. Yeah. We have motion a motion. Do we have a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Congratulations, Ms. Raswani. My apologies that we couldn't do this for you last week. I'm sorry. Thank I'm sorry. You. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out here. Yeah. That was severed. You no, that wasn't severed. C1 oh. was not severed. That's yellow cap. No, it's yellow. You can't vote. Okay. Hold on. Just one minute. That's why I went that way. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So now, with the president's permission, okay, I would like a motion to approve both C1 and F4. Motion to approve. Any second? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Now we can congratulate. Now, uh, item number F5, we have a motion on that one. Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion passes. I believe that's it for the uh, consent calendar. What did we do with D4? D4 D1 and continued. D4 are simply being continued. Oh, that one's continued. continued. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so that... that uh, Finishes the consent calendar. Item five, six, and seven are being continued. Um, actually, item number eight does allow. No. Did I? That was our only special public order. Okay. Item number nine. Item number nine. Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, oh yeah. P- public comment. I will take. You gotta be kidding me. Just relax, Jim. we We'll take public comment on item five. Right. So the caveat is, if you want to speak on this agenda item tonight, when it will actually be heard, you won't be allowed to speak. Look, I've spoke on this thing already two different times over a period of two years. Go ahead. How many minutes do I get? One minute? I'll give you two minutes. Oh, what a deal. I got this much here to talk about. You're going to give me two minutes? You know, after you keep me here till almost 10 o'clock, You got a twenty-three page item here. Okay, just before you start, we need to actually officially read item five. Uh, Agenda item five: consideration of addition of rule eight a seventeen, requiring minimum size for dispatch services. This is only a discussion only. Well, it said action on it, but you you got you got me twenty-three pages here. I got to rebut, and then you got. A whole bunch of pages here on your meeting. I got a rebut. You give me two minutes. That's a disgrace. You'd be ashamed of yourself. <coughs> now here, here's the what they're talking about: the public convenience and necessary. Now the, there's falsification on your page here, 23, on this document here, this page. You see that? It's all blacked out. That's why I gave you two two copies 
that weren't blacked out. This is this. American Cab came out basically number one on performance. Luxor in yellow failed on the 15-minute requirement. This is ridiculous. Now, on the paratransit report, you got American Cab with three ramp taxis. We're down to one now. And we wish you'd get rid of that one, but the man is disabled and hasn't driven it in over two years. It's a disgrace. Judged us on six calls for three ramps. That's an average of two calls for each ramp. And, uh, and then you give uh, Luxor, who has 24 ramps. I understand they have 37 now. You only call them 11 times when you should have called them 48 times. I mean, this, this whole survey is ridiculous, and it should be thrown out. And if you, I don't plan to come back any more meetings. And if you do, if you do, don't table this or discontinue it. You'll see you're in court. It's anti-small business. It's anti-American. It's anti-everything I could think of. And Thank it's, you. This two minutes is anti. Is there anyone else who I, wants I to speak on this? I got words I'd like to say on that. Well, thanks for the two minutes. Anyway, it could have been one, which it usually is. <clears throat> you know, a dispatch. Um, we were going to have a dispatch subcommittee 11 years ago. That's what the taxi task force recommended. Uh, we've never even come close. And you give us two minutes on a subject uh, which has been, uh, you know, moved back. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> the survey that I do, and let's go to this little thing again. The survey I do... Um, it has four market groups. And I want you to notice where taxi falls in the market group. Uh, 136 uh, is the total customers that I served uh, within two months that mostly use taxis, 136 of them. That falls below my tourist margin here, uh, visitors. Uh, every number <coughs> falls pretty much the same, uh, except for taxis has moved down in the last 11 years. It used to be number one up here. But it's dropped down, I think last year it was around here, and, and it's never gone below the visitor's level. Uh, people who mostly use taxis. Now, dispatch, um, <clears throat> by the way, there's 30 comments extra on the back that uh, the customers make. They make plenty of comments on the front of my surveys, I want you to note. And uh, if you notice, the uh, both is the people who use Muni and taxis, both. Um, uh, but the dispatch is, uh, you know, it's just a problem. That it's been there. It's not going away. Something like the top light, which is a dispatch system, a visual dispatch system that is recognized by the customers from all over the world. They come here and they complain about the top lights. And, and uh, by the way, our local customers that live here and visit around here and come from all over the United States also complain about the top light. But it's a visual dispatch what, what's more critical is the home dispatch from the, for the people in the disabled community, paratransit community, you know, the old people community, and the uh, hospitalized community, the people that can't get around if they're injured.
recently. Anyway, thank you for your time. And for the record, not one word of that was about minimum size for dispatch services. Not one word. Is there anyone else who wants to speak under public comment? Next item, call item number six. Item six, consideration of amendment to rule 5G4, vehicle age. This is an action item. This item will be continued. Is there anyone who wants to speak under public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Call next item. Item number seven, consideration of proposed rule 5H18, requiring designated managers for color schemes. This is also an action item. This also will be continued. Is there any public comment on this item? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Item nine. Item nine, adjournment. Thank you. Meeting is adjourned.